Well, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number four now, so we're a month into this. I'm really enjoying doing them, and uh, we've had quite a mixed bag so far. Uh, we've had Billy McCarthy was episode one. If you haven't listened to that, go back, check it out, lead singer of Augustine's. Uh, episode two was my friend Sonia, who is OMG, it's Firefox. Uh, she's a streamer and a bit of a car nerd. Uh, producer Michael last week, that was a good one. You guys really enjoyed that. And this week... I've invited my best friend in all the world, Thomas Watson, who I've known now for, God, probably getting on for 12 years, I would guess. Um, it's No, probably 10 years. I think I've known him since I was 20. We go way back, and uh, Tom is an aircraft engineer. Uh, he is an absolute whiz when it comes to uh, all things aeroplanes, uh, and I've seen him come up in the industry, and it's just been, uh, yeah, real real nice to see one of your mates doing so well. Uh, he is also uh, a bit of a blockchain nerd and uh, into cryptocurrency and stuff, so he's advised me a couple of times. We'll get into that a bit later. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I figured that me and him, whenever we get on the phone, we always chat for hours, and I was like, dude, we got to do this on a podcast because uh, we talk some crap, but... We often get into some good topics. So uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the beautifully filmed, I may say, Tom, Thomas Watson. Hey, how you doing? What do you think of my setup? Look at that. That, <laughs> mate, that depth of field is, I'm jealous. I am jealous. I thought this webcam was good, but you're putting me to shame. Yeah, I mean, this has been pulled together with junk that was lying around in my loft. You know, when we first met, uh, we were both photo nerding figuring it out and this is all equipment left over from yeah 10 years ago that's nuts that is nuts yeah so tom and i we actually met through a photo group it was the uh the strobist photo group the west midland strobists and we basically used to get together and it was like a group of probably 10 or 20 photographers and then five or 10 models and we would go rent a location and just go and like yeah shoot pictures for our portfolio and so i met tom there because he uh he ran that show and uh yeah we've been been best mates ever since it's a long time, isn't it? Ten years. You get I, less for... I wouldn't say murder, because that's life these days. Yeah, this is true. This is true. But no, I mean, it, it definitely is crazy how long we've we've really known each other now. Because I was thinking the very first time we met was that uh, that weird, like, abandoned house, wasn't it? Uh, there were a couple. You'll have to remind me. I, I'm not always sure that they were legally obtained either. Sometimes <laughs> it was just like, is it locked? Give it a push. Yeah, seems legit. This will make like a... A grungy emo backdrop for my uh, amateur pictures. It's so funny, yeah. That that group was great. Like there were some really like fun people in that, and it it's so wild to to look back on that. And I know that at the time I was I was doing professional photography work. I was shooting for the magazines at the time. I don't mm. think I was doing any like commercial stuff. But yeah, it's definitely interesting to to think that was only ten years ago, and like. Look Look how far I've come, Tom. Now I'm making YouTube videos for a living like a 14-year-old girl unboxing toys. I know. It's so funny, isn't it? The, the, th- the funny thing is, though, like when we met at that point, I was like, maybe I could be a photographer. Like, I can take a picture. That's like, that's all it is, right? And the truth is, no. Like, being a photographer is about 1% going click and 95%. Hey, can I do some pictures for uh, you? Hey, what can I do for yep. you? Hey, it's me again. Can I show you my my book? And the truth is, I had no appetite for that. I just like dicking around with the camera equipment. Yeah, I I think it had I have known that I kind of fell into it, and it was like, oh, the magazine stuff's easy because the mags just call me up, and that's it. And then once I got into the commercial world, then it was like, oh, oh, I see. This yeah. is this is a business. Like this you got is a hustle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
It, and and it's it's a treadmill that there is no like you can't stop. You are paddling upstream all the time, and if you stop paddling, then you just slowly drift backwards, and everybody else gets in front of you. And yeah, that. Yeah, sure. I mean, Christ, I was only in the industry for what like properly probably eight years from when did i do the honda job 2021 something like that was that the so what was the honda job the kind of like the thing that kicked you off yeah in that, the magazines that that no 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 that was my commercial one the okay the that was when i went out to italy and we shot the honda fireblade oh yeah mm. so that that was that was the big one that was like the first six-figure ad campaign all the like the, the magazine stuff was all mountain bikes so yeah yeah I, i've been so i've been being paid to take pictures since I was, I, I was thinking about this the other day, since I was 16 years old. So I've now been doing it for 40, 40? My math is awful. 20, 20 years. You're what <laughs> now? You're, th- you're 36 now, right? You wish. Pushing 56. Tom, Tom is older than me. Uh, even I though, am not. I'm th- I just had a really, really hard childhood. <laughs> Very long paper round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, I've been doing it for, uh, yeah, 14 years. That's crazy. 14, 15 years. Yeah, um, but no, the mate, the YouTube thing is is I love it. I absolutely love this kind of content because it, it flip it flips the whole thing on its head. Because obviously, with the commercial world, you're constantly going to people and almost mm-hmm. begging them to let you take their pictures. And I know that there are the guys, the the Annie Leibowitzes and the the um, you know the the big photographers in the world who the rankings who are getting people come to them because of that who they are and sure. those companies want a ranking or they want a Leibowitz. But for most of us, it's just like, oh, please, sir, can I uh, can I take your pictures for you and um, please beat me up on the price? And mm. it just it, it got to be quite soul destroying at times. I mean, you know, cry, you know, you know what it was like when I was living back in the UK and I would go down to London and do all of those meetings and stuff. And now being able to just know that the amount of effort that I put in is directly or directly correlates with the amount that I will earn from it. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's not just isolated to photography either. like I felt the same way in the aviation industry. I was with a company for six years and the whole time I was there, it was like the, the big thing in aviation is getting qualified. You know, it's a very uh, process driven industry. Everything has to be by the book. And so in order to, do a job you have to be qualified to do it and the whole time i was at that company i was just like can i go i need i need more qualifications i need to be stretched i want to go learn something new and it was only after i'd left there that i realized that the only person that had stopped me from going to get those things was me like the whole time i thought it was up to my boss to choose whether or not i went on a course or you know went and took an exam and then you know leaving there i was like God damn! Why? Why have I been waiting for someone else's permission to go do these things I needed to do? Right. And so yeah, last year I, you know, I came to see you. Uh, I went to New York and went and got my American license, and you know, blasted out a load of qualifications in maybe twelve months. I probably, I got more qualified in those twelve months than I had in the previous five years. That's crazy. That's crazy. And let's back up a bit, like all the way back to the beginning. So how, how did you get into airplanes? Like where where did your love of airplanes start? And then how did you end up? Because Shobden was your first airfield, right? The first place you worked? Sure. I fell into that job. It was pure luck. Uh, I went to college. You know, I, I, at high school, I was a pretty decent student. You know, I came away with some very good grades. And then I got to college. I came from a high school that had like 300 kids. And I went to a college that had 3,000. And 
so yeah, I, I blew my college years away. You know, the two years I was there doing A-levels, uh, I enjoyed going to the pub, meeting young ladies, skipping class. I mean, the thing that blew my mind most about sixth form is that you could not turn up to a class and nobody cared. Yeah. And so I remember uh, like having a parents evening at the end of the first year, having blown away all of my exams, but sh showed promise. You know, it was a classic must, must try harder. Uh, and my law teacher, my law lecturer, saying to my parents, like, Tom's a great student. If only we saw more of him. <laughs> right. I was like, oh, God damn. And so, yeah, at, you know, at the end of my first year, I kind of did the whole look. I'll knuckle down. I'll, I'll make amends. I can do this. You know, I'm not a complete numpty. Uh, yeah, and at the end of the second year, <laughs> took, took my exams and came away with sweet FA. Oh, God. And so... My mum, my mum was pretty good actually. She was like, "Okay, look, you know, you might be able to get in on clearing." Didn't get in on clearing, and I just kind of like floated around for, I don't know, maybe a month or two over the summer holidays, like enjoying enjoying those last uh, those last few days with your mates before everybody clears off to university. Um, yeah, and in September, she was like, "Son, right, you know, you're out of education. You got to go get a job." And yeah, she found me something in the back of the paper. It was, you know, sweeping a floor at a, at a local uh, flying school. Um, yeah, and that's kind of like where I got my uh, got my push. But I mean, I, I owe it to my mum. There's no doubt about that. Like she was, she literally found me that job. Uh, and so yeah, I was there for what maybe? Oh God, I think I was there for eight years. That's and whilst nuts. it wasn't it wasn't glamorous, like it was a great place to cut my teeth because the stakes were low. And uh, that's probably not what you want to hear from an aircraft engineer. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was they were small private aircraft. It was a small flying school. You know, if you had an aircraft that wasn't serviceable at the end of the day, it wasn't like you were having to refund 400 angry passengers on their way to Alicante. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was people just buzzing around the countryside on a weekend for fun. Yeah, exactly. It was all old boys that had a hobby. It was nothing, you know, nobody was really using it for business. Or if they were, that was the exception to the rule. It was almost all recreation. And so prior to, to going there, going to Shobden, had you ever done any like mechanicking? Was that something that you were into? So I was always mucking around with cars. Like I think I got my first car at 15. I was bought a very, very rusty uh, Rover Metro 1.1 in white, carbed. Uh, nice. And I don't even think... So I think my parents bought it for me from auction for about 150 quid. And the idea was like, you know, you can do it up. And then when you can, uh, when you can drive, when you're old enough to drive, you know, that, that will be your car. And I don't think I ever drove it once. I think not only, not only did I end up crashing it before I could even drive. <laughs> like we had a, we had a big field at the top of our house. Uh, and so, yeah drove it around there and then one day doing handbrake turns slid it into a into a into a wall like bent all the front wheels and the and the wing uh, but e but even so even if i hadn't sent that car on its way before i'd learned to drive there's no way in hell it would have passed an mot <laughs> certainly certainly not without copious amounts of newspaper and filler like it was <laughs> right <wreck>. or <laughs> was... talking of talking of filler and stuff have you seen people that are like repairing stuff with ramen noodles like packet noodles I've not seen I've not seen the ramen noodles. I've seen people making like shiny balls out of tin foil. Uh, yeah, so that, th that was a thing, right? That has yeah, that has its own merit though. Like that that's a cool and and uh, that yeah that that has some merit. People are like taking ramen noodles, like dry noodles, packing mm. them into 
broken thing. I saw a guy repair a, a sink basin and then sanding it and then painting it and then it's fixed. Wow. <laughs> You've not seen this? I mean, what happens when you fill the sink up with water? Well, then you get a, like a ramen you, bowl, but you get like, like delicious pot noodles. Yeah, but I, I think your teeth in. I think the way that it works is that once you seal over it, yeah, sure, it doesn't. You don't cook the noodles; they just yeah, they just stay protected. I, I mean, you've seen the the Mercedes that I've just bought. There's some pretty chunky holes, and I'm like, Are you packing up, packing up on uh, super noodles. Yeah, is that, is that where you go? Yeah, I think I think I might. I think it'd be fun if nothing else, just to fix one of the holes with some ramen noodles. Ramen noodles. And yeah. what do you? I presume you don't get it wet. What do you do? Like mix it with super glue or like PVA glue or something? Yeah. Um, is it? super glue it's some it's something i've not i've not really looked too much into it but yeah you you mix it with something and and then it you sand it like i I watched um a youtuber that i watch um jenna marbles and julie and her her boyfriend um she made some like uh fingernail fake fingernails out of ramen what yeah that's that's that sounds not only disgusting but like yeah. like bad hygiene. Yeah, not yeah, exactly. This is pre-covid days. But um but yeah, so uh, so that that could have maybe helped out that that little metro. Um so mm. so you Mind you th- this uh, I'm sorry to step over. You. No, go on. The, this this is going to be a thing, isn't it, where it's like ah the, the, This is us. This is us. Go on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I th- I feel like the ramen noodles is more of an international flavor. I think if you wanted the British solution, have you ever left a bowl of Weetabix out for like a long period oh, of time? Oh, that is a great shout. Yeah. Like, and there's there's no glue required and you've got to chisel that mofo off before it goes in the dishwasher or you clean it. Like a hard, dry yeah. Weetabix. Is it? That's a structural member. That, do you know what? That is a great call. So if, if you guys aren't from the UK and you don't know what Weetabix is, it's, um, it's imagine like a, a small block of... of wheat shredded newspaper yeah yeah exactly a small block of like crispy wheat it's like it's a breakfast cereal um and then you pour milk on it and it goes if you put lots of milk on it it, essentially you can mush it up and turn it into porridge Um, it's like cold porridge yeah exactly um but if you if you put a little bit on then you get some crispy bits you get some soft bits and it's quite nice Uh, i used to like them just with sugar sprinkled on the top back in the day Mm -hmm. that was that was my go-to with with weetabix um but if you leave a bowl of weetabix unattended for more than probably 25 to 30 minutes then this chemical reaction happens that i think only can be replicated in the center of the earth and the the component parts fuse together and create this impenetrable like just mass that will stick to any i mean like a porcelain bowl like a bowl that you eat soup uh eat um what's the word i'm looking for here why can't i cereal there you go cereal that's it oh my god and it's only what time is it? it's only oh well it's not that time because i haven't set my this watch (laughs) this is the problem i'm getting i'm getting quite a few watches now and i put them on i'm like oh cool and then i go about my day and then i'm like oh yeah cool it's half six when it's actually 1158 um but yeah so like the kind of bowl that you would eat cereal from it's very smooth and it's made to be easily cleaned not if you've got Weetabix on it. So yeah. I think that... it's the same process they use for like forging diamonds. Mm. Or like, you know, millions of years it, it would take to make a diamond. But for, so whoever makes Weetabix, I guess, I don't know, Kellogg's? Okay. They, yeah, they're yeah, in everything so. these days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, there you go. So what if it, uh, actually maybe they should start making that like uh, instead of diamond tip drill bits, like Weetabix tip drill bits. <laughs> Save a fortune. It's, it's, it's the eco option, isn't it? If you've got a really tough masonry job to do, get that. Get yeah, them. Sure, 
I don't, I don't recommend giving your uh, your soon to be wife though a, a Weetabix ring. Like yeah. that's probably going to happen in a black eye. They're, they're definitely not interchangeable in those scenarios. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't matter how hard you polish a Weetabix. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, so that that's that's what I'm going to try on the Mercedes. I think is is fill at least one rust hole with ramen noodles and now Weetabix. Um, yeah. But yeah. So so you had your Metro and and so you you crashed that. How many cars have you crashed up to now, Tom? And I appreciate that I can't say this as smugly as I used to be able to. But sure. what are you at? Uh, What's your tally? I think like total write-offs is three. So it's, it's... 106 oh. on the roof. Oh no no no! So that I, I can I can run you through from the beginning. Okay. So are we talking like bumps or are we talking no. crashes? No no no! Like I don't I don't want about how many bumps you've had. You had loads. I'm talking about like the ones that I know that you've because I I get jipped from the audience about the fact that I put my Mercedes on its side. Um, everyone's like, oh, you put your car on your side, and then you got a convertible. <laughs> um, Do you know what I like so much about the fact you put on your? Uh, what I like about the fact you put your car on your side is not that you were like afterwards oh my god what have i done it's that you pulled your phone out and videoed it <laughs> like within within 60 seconds of like wiping that thing out coming this close to death you're like quick get this on the youtube channel <laughs> yeah. seriously i did it i i i rolled it onto its side as it landed on its side i kind of went Ugh, and i was like all right cool i'm still in my seat and i was like oh quick knock off the engine killed the engine and then i was looking around and i'm like how am i going to get out of here now and i had to climb out through my window which was now the sunroof um and yeah and I, and I got out and i stood on the top and i was just about to jump down and i remembered that my phone was stuck to my phone mount in the car and so i reached back in grabbed it and then threw it down to one of the lads that was following me and i was like mate take a picture of this quickly and then i just did that picture i'm like and then wow. jumped off and then he was like oh my god are you okay blah blah and i was like yeah i'm fine i'm, I'm good and he's like i can't believe you're not bothered by it and i was like well they sell more like that's you know i'm i'm fine you know they, they sell more cars and the video was actually i pulled my camera because my camera was in the boot and so i pulled my camera out and then checked that um because i wanted to make sure that that hadn't messed up and so that clip where i'm like uh hey guys so just on my way back from producer mark shoot and uh F my car, didn't i that is literally like me testing the camera out that's why there's no more footage after that Wow. And the camera survived the, the ordeal. Yeah, everything survived apart from the car. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, cars... So I don't know about you, but certainly the first like major crash I had, at the time, you're just kind of like... You, you've got a big shot of adrenaline, and you're like, right, okay, what do I do? And you're kind of like crisis management mode, where it's like, okay, get the car back on its wheels, give it a push. Okay, I've got to get a recovery truck. What do I do next? Uh, and it was only the day after, like my, my first big smash... Uh, we ended up going back the next day for the car. You know, the police put some of that blue tape uh, yeah. across it. And then, yeah, we went back with a wrecker and towed it out. But yeah, it was only going back that I kind of like, I kind of, the, the the shock of it all kind of like washed over me. And I was like, holy smokes, that was bad. Right. I think I think seeing the car afterwards, because, you know, I, I wrecked the car. What did you do? Caught, was that, the, was that the one you hit the roundabout with? So, ah, oh, the roundabout one. I can't even remember that. <laughs> You maybe, told me maybe you put that's a, just your fuzzy memory. You told me you put a 106 on its roof on on a wet roundabout. So uh, okay, so there's a few stories there that are getting confused. Okay, so I got right. I got three points for drifting a 106 around a roundabout <laughs> in in the wet. And the the funny thing is, so like I came into this roundabout way too hot. Bags of understeer, lift off, loads of oversteer, and like 
through through pure luck i am definitely not uh, a rally god uh, although you know, i claim to be one occasionally <laughs> uh yeah put this thing like fully sideways and then recovered it and i was like holy smokes like that's that's what oversteer is i can do it oh my goodness <laughs> and then in the distance like in the in the the a speck of a car in the distance i see the lights go on and i'm like all right well you know probably wasn't for me it must be an ambulance that's getting called to a job or whatever and this the the slowest high speed chase you've ever ever seen because the the guy in the it wasn't a police car it was like a big transit riot van <laughs> and right. so i come up come off this roundabout and then started to climb this huge hill and the little 106 is not known for its uh for its power output and so i'm like you know down from fifth to fourth to third and you're just like hang on to third hang on to third i don't want to go for second like come on and this this big police van is getting closer and closer but i i kid you not it must have taken him maybe 15 minutes to catch me <laughs> and the whole time the whole time he's got the blue lights on and i'm like well you know it's probably an ambulance it's, it's getting dark i can't see it behind me yeah yeah and so eventually like it gets close enough and so like i put the indicator on to let him pass and he doesn't go past and then i get slower and slower so he can get past he doesn't go past and then eventually i stop and so does he <laughs> so yeah that's how i got my first three points drifting ah. drifting around a roundabout well, but anyway so yeah the 106 106 i never wrote off okay. the, the first car i smashed up was a was a bright yellow fiat Seicento sporting yeah and i'm sure go. i'm absolutely certain they never made it to the american market they were very italian uh tiny cars like the, the modern equivalent of a fiat 500 but like late 90s fiat 500 not the bloated thing that they sell now are you are you finding a picture of you it? keep well, telling the story and i'm gonna pull up a picture nice so yeah i uh that one i was i was at college i think i was dropping my sister off somewhere and uh yeah in the middle of the road there was a house brick oh, uh, and so i i swerved swerved to miss it and instead of like if i'd have done nothing it would have gone straight under the car what actually happened is that I managed to clobber the house brick with my uh, front right wheel, completely blew the tire off, uh, bent the alloy, and that, was, and that was the end of the wheel. Fortunately, the car came with a space saver, but because I was a penniless student, what I did was drive on the space saver for about a month. <laughs> I, had, I had no money to repair the wheel, let alone buy a new tire. Uh, I mean, well, let alone repair the wheel. Well, yeah, whichever way around that is, both of them were cooked. Uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, I drove around on the on this space saver, like you know, the ones. Oh, say fifty I kph. I lost you. I lost you for a second. Then we we had a bit of a disconnect. So you said you drove around on the space saver for a month, and then you said the ones that what? Uh, yeah, I didn't have didn't have enough cash to get it fixed, and so, uh, yeah, again, going. I think I was going out or something. It had just rained. You know when you get like a month of dry weather, and then just like a sprinkling of wet. Yeah, and, and all the, the grease from... comes to the surface exactly that they go from ultra sticky to like deadly in a in a moment that's my excuse anyway nothing to do with like the rubber band of a tire that i was driving on and anyway i I just blasted past someone came into a corner too hot loads of understeer lift off because i don't know what i'm doing and the car literally like went from this to straight sideways <laughs> down the road and so i'm sliding down the both lanes the front wheel dips inside uh like a drain grate like a low grate and then that was it we are we're off on the merry-go-round how many I did how many did you do i think i did three. Ugh. so three three full turns for everybody wondering this is what tom oh let's see if we can get this in focus here um this is what tom did 
those three rolls over in. That is a beautiful looking car. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, that's the that's the Mark One. I had the facelift. Oh, you the, did? one to the one to lust after was the Schumacher version, the Michael Schumacher special edition. <laughs> if you, if you can believe that he would lend his name to something as ridiculous as that, it must have been for piles and piles of money. Let me see. I'm looking. I didn't even know they made a Schumacher edition. Yeah, that was the one. That was the really. That was you know you'd made it if you were driving a Schumacher Fiat Sorento. What the what? So this is a Schumacher one. It looks no different to the other one. Oh, it's so, got a body kit, and I think like the seat belts might be red. So here's here's a here's a Schumacher edition. That looks that's not a bad looking car. <laughs> it's not a good looking car. That right <laughs> there is not a good looking car. Yeah, they they uh, kind of I think hatchbacks, nineties hatchbacks, sort of lost their way a little bit in the middle there. They they did really well. Like the uh, oh god, let's see if we can get this uh, autofocus to come back. There we go. Lovely. Yeah, they they kind of lost their way. I think the 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 Renault 5 was such a great looking, ugly but great looking. Like those Renault 5 turbos, they were they were a cool looking hatchback. Um, oh, 100%. And they're aging well and worth the fortune now. Yeah, and the the Vauxhall Nova as well. Another great looking Same car. Same story. Rally if you like I remember my mate Mark Thwaites had a white Vauxhall Nova on some like compromotive five spokes with uh, an exhaust on it um exhaust red mud flaps it was a white car it had an exhaust red mud flaps uh he'd like tuned it up it was the thing was awesome absolutely awesome um yeah and that that was that was such a great car um they they just they don't make them like they used to uh-oh. I mean, I think you're you're right in as much as oh. they don't make them like they used to for good reason. Oh, we just we just had a, a big old big old disconnect. Then I I noticed my video going a bit weird, but we're back. Okay. We're back. You're saying that they don't make them like they used to for a good reason. I mean, yeah, they don't make them like they used to for a good reason because if you were to smash up a Vauxhall Nova that had sills made of ramen noodles, like you'd be you'd be completely dead it's true it's true they weren't the safest of vehicles that's for sure but uh i, I did like it like i don't know it i guess everybody kind of has that that period of time that they look back on and it's just like yeah the cars were i remember getting a max power magazine and opening it up and being like "Ooh, booby i mean uh cars and you know uh, 90s hatchbacks were uh, like i mean the 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 cars you mentioned the nova uh, the 106, not so much. That was a bit late. Oh, Peugeot 205. Yeah. Renault 5. Those were all, they all kind of like went through that 90s. Uh, yeah, max power is the only way to really describe mm -hmm. it with like wild body kits and, you know, flip paint jobs and huge, like ridiculous amounts of speakers in the boot. Yeah. Those, those 205 GTIs in the red with the oh, striped seats, like the, mm -hmm. the kind of, they were almost like a, and like a plaid type seat with like little stripes in there, the Tricolor. That that yeah. was that was a good looking car. A mate of mine, his dad had one, and he swapped the um, M. Is it the MI sixteen engine? Um, yeah. Swapped one of those in, and that thing was a beast. That was like two oh, yeah. two hundred and two hundred fifty or two hundred sixty horsepower, which now sounds like nothing. Um, but in a, in a car that weighs yeah less than a ton, it's uh, it's not bad at all. Yeah, um, decent power to weight ratio. There was, I mean, a... there was, yeah. When I had the Metro, uh, there was because they run. I don't know. I'll give you some real nerd stuff now. They run the K series engine, which yeah, is they do. Uh, the one point uh, eight from which, Rover. Yeah, that's it. And a lot of people used to swap those out from like the MGFs when they first came out into. The, I say a lot of people, a hardcore contingent of nerds. Yeah. 
uh, would pull those engines out of the MGF and put them in the, the Metro. And I can tell you, having one with about 40 horsepower was frightening. Like, you know, 50 miles an hour felt like warp six. Having something with 160 brake horsepower in it would have been like, yeah, just danger, just pure danger. Yeah. Oh, no, they, they were crazy. I had a, a friend. Yeah, we, we're, we're having some internet issues. Tom is currently in his shed in his garden. So uh, <laughs> the, the internet probably isn't as strong as it could be. Can you still hear me? Hello? Tom, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. What I'm doing is just... You're still there. Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm still me? here. I can, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Janky janky internet's apologies. That's I couldn't right. I couldn't run a cat five. Oh, are you on Wi Fi? Yeah, I am. Oh my gee, route... I didn't realise that. I know. Mate, my router's in the loft and I'm in the garden. Oh no. You not have yeah, the, poked it out for a only... roof tile. Yeah, the only option would have been some of that moonbeam stuff that you so love. Moonbeam. Oh yeah, you're like power through in through the power internet through power thing. You've got it. Do you, do you still not believe that it's a technology? It's or not, it's have not you been real. Turned yet? It's not real. So yeah, I internet's went. Internet's through the power cord. I went to Tom's house and he had these things plugged into his wall that he maintains were uh, ways to send internet through the power sockets. So you turn a power socket into an internet squirter, and there is no way in hell. I I don't believe you. <laughs> it's not, the power it's of not, technology we could put a man on the moon but you can't put internet through a copper cable exactly it's not real not a power cable it's not what it's made for it has to go through an internet pipe internet pipes mm. for internet power pipes for pipe power power yeah, pipe power pipe, power yeah. pipe may they may, may they never meet don't <laughs> don't mix your business and your pleasure so um, unless you're a youtuber of course ex exactly yeah and then that that's exactly what i'm doing um so you you flip the seicento sporting what else have you done give us a, just a brief rundown of the other ones so I fell asleep at the wheel of a Fiat Punto after a big night out in London. That was oh, a bad shout. Oh, yeah, I remember you saying that. Stuck that in the central reservation of the M40, I think. Kind of like nodded off. Got the brrr in the gravel again. Yeah, overcorrected and then into the Amco. Oh, I mean, that God. whilst it wrote the car off, it wasn't a big smash. It just kind of like dragged it all along the side. Yeah, yeah. That was a bad day at the office. And then I think, oh, yeah, my Ibiza, I put that on its side as well. That was yeah. so the thing is though the first the first like string of smashes that I had all happened within a space of about 18 months because I just got my license I was 17 years old and I was a complete flipping moron <laughs> like there's there's no there's no other way to sugarcoat it like young men in cars are dickheads and I know yeah. that it probably makes up a large contingent of your 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 audience but like your first car should not be a 100,000 pounds Mercedes no. because you will smash it up. It's not a case of if, it is when. Like, that stuff is getting written off. Yeah, oh, for sure. I remember, I think it was the week after I passed my driving test, I went down the back lanes by my sick form and coming into a corner, um, like, a little hot, and I went to go from third to second, and I went from third to fourth. And mm -hmm. no engine braking, definitely no brakes that were good enough for that in uh, 1.6 Mark IV Golf. And I got around that corner by the skin of my teeth. And I remember doing that and being like, okay, that like, I, I just, that was a, a lesson that I was, I was gifted a kind of like, you know, 
free free life. I got like a one up after that because that yeah, shouldn't sure. have gone the way that it did. I should have put that into a bush. But um, yeah, I, I definitely uh, definitely had a couple of moments when I was when I was younger. But the, the the annoying thing about the Mercedes is that I was with two younger lads, and they were we were, as we we're driving through the canyons. You know, we were we were driving spiritedly. We weren't driving recklessly. I mean, I you know I don't. I'm I'm an old man now, so I don't I don't have anything to prove. I'm not trying to you know set lap times. Mm. but we were linking turns together and having a nice time and when we got to the top of the hill i said to them as when we pulled up because i noticed that one of them was driving a little bit over he, he was getting a bit overconfident in a standard car and i could see it sure. getting like kind of out of shape um and I, I said to them i was like look lads you know we need to drive sensibly here the, the worst thing can happen is that one of us ends up stuffing our car and then we can't come back for six months you know we want to be able to do this every week because it's so much fun uh come up here have a good time go home safe enjoy our cars i literally had that conversation so that's the mindset that i was in going back down the hill and yeah. then we come down the hill and just a miscommunication between me and uh and the guy in front of me <laughs> come into this corner way too hot um not not too hot as in like i wasn't racing through the corner but because he had waved me by to overtake him or so i thought um i was just in the completely the wrong place on the road uh luckily it was a closed road the other way so we knew because it was right after the the fires so we knew that there was no traffic coming the other way but yeah just went around this corner hit the the weird camber locked up the front right and the rest was history and yeah so that was the annoying thing is that it wasn't even that when i crashed it i was driving too fast uh or like i was you know racing i I crashed it because i was in the wrong place at the wrong time basically and that was what was most frustrating about it because as i got out i was like i just had this conversation like Mm. (laughs) you know i i i was i had all the right intentions and i still managed to stuff it into a wall but uh but everything has a you know every cloud has a silver lining and to be honest with you that car now um the position that i'm in with the green car is way better because uh, obviously the green car is is pre-smog so it means that i don't have to worry about smogging it so it uh, i kind of dodged a bullet with that I th- one i thought it was cream is it green green yeah all right yeah. i have to look at my pictures i was almost certain it was like a light cream maybe it's like that dress Are you, no 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 you're you're thinking about the dog snotter that i just bought so I have, uh, I have two old Mercedes. So I have the green E300, which is the one that's getting the 500 horsepower turbo diesel. That's going to be the full race car. And then I have the 82 um, 240D, and that's going to be the dog's car. So that's the nice. one that I'm using for him. And I'm going to like chop the springs and paint it matte black. And I, I sent you that picture of the race car, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing the race car. I just... I didn't realize, or maybe you had in my mind. You've still got Ron Burgundy, like the the brown Mercedes, but that was obviously no, the one you smashed up. No, Ron, Ron Burgundy is gone. Burgundy now. He. Um, oh man. Yeah. So so you're thinking about this car. So that is the the Mercedes that I've just bought for the dog, and then Classic. this is the inspiration behind how I'm going to go with the styling. Nice. Yeah, so I'm going to do the whole... Uh, that's uh, like a W210 front bumper, I believe. So I'm just going okay. to buy like a cheap plastic aftermarket parts bumper. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, everything will be satin black. So that thing should be... Nice. Should be... A headlights requirement in California? They are, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll have uh, I'll have 
uh, oh god i'm out folks again yeah i'll have headlights i'm just going to paint them like the surround will be black and i think i might actually yeah, okay. do like a, a yellow um you know how like the euro cars have like yellow headlights mm, yeah yeah so i think like i might the, the tinted mm-hmm. it already has it looks like it already has yellow bulbs in there so um yeah i think i'll probably do do that and then i'm going to put a roof rack on it and a light bar because i've got a light bar in my garage that i've never used so it's gonna be like uh, a, a i don't of... even know what, what that style is like it i want to say like bozuko jdm but is it euro rat what is that what is the style of the picture you just showed me that's a full-blown race car that's like an old w123 like dtm race car all right okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, sorry mate to shoot, shoot you down i thought it looked like some sort of show, show me the picture again what do you know oh tom? no it'll just it'll just get you out of focus you can send it to me later what, that's do, fine. what do you know tom that if you can't tell that that is a race car it has a roll cage in it it's completely stripped out so if you can't tell and it has that front air dam on it and it says c yeah, and okay. b racing on the top so <laughs> you may know about airplanes mate but uh, you don't know shit about cars apparently yeah true fact i mean the thing is though like i see a big sun a big sunscreen across the top and i expected to say like you know phil and uh, <laughs> and or whatever like his, his and hers yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> with one of those uh those suckered uh like suckered garfields in the uh, in <laughs> oh my god window. i saw i remember they always were in the back of uh ford sierra cosworths yeah um, well, i remember there was a a guy at college who had a we used to call it the Gandrover. I'll let you, uh, uh, I'll, I'll let you guess why. But yeah, that was that was covered in like there was that, and was there a? Uh, do you remember the uh, the stick on fingers? Stick so it looked like someone fingers. had like, yeah, they were like they looked like severed fingers that you would stick on on like a boot shut or a door. Oh, so they looked like they were poking so out from like, the boot. Yeah, exactly. Like someone was trying to escape. <laughs> It was just full of tat. It was it was a stoner's cut. What do you expect? Oh my god, that's hilarious. That's funny. Well, look, let's let's get onto airplanes because I wanted to ask you about. Um, obviously, you're in now in the so you've moved on from Shobden. You're no longer at a grass runway airfield, and now you're working on the big boy jets. Um, sure. Just just give people a, a rundown on the the kind of aircraft that you work on and and the type of work that you do now. Yeah, so now it's uh, it's all biz jets. The stuff I do, most of them are uh, most of them are flown by crews. They tend not to be flown by their owners. You know, it's the sort of thing that you buy and have someone take you from A to B. Uh, the stuff that I look after is it's almost all Cessnas. We do a couple of uh, Falcons. I mean, I know that doesn't mean a lot, but yeah, Citations. Taylor Swift has got one apparently, a Falcon. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know any other famous people that ride Cessnas. They're all in like big stuff. But yeah, I mean these are these are little things. They they tend to do about I don't know fifteen hundred miles, like maybe yeah, that's the sort of range you're looking at. So something big enough to have a toilet, but small enough that you're probably not going to cross an ocean in a wanna. Right, got you. Okay, so fifteen hundred miles then from let's say from London, where would fifteen hundred miles land you? South of France? Yeah, probably south of France, like well into Europe. I mean, if you were lucky and planned it well, it might just it might get you to like the tip of Africa. Oh, wow. But, okay. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, and certainly I think some of the, some of the, the biggest small aircraft that we look after the, the kind of like, if you draw a circle around your base, the two measurements that everyone wants to do is kind of like London to, I don't know if it's Germany somewhere. And the other one is coast to coast across the America, kind of like New York to, to Los Angeles. Do you, you look after American planes? In a one, that's, 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff we've got is on the American register simply because it's less hassle. Like things that are registered to European countries, as long as you're not paying uh, for a seat on them, you know, if it's yours or it's free, the American system's way, way less restrictive. Right. Okay. So yeah, a lot, a lot of a lot of owners tend to go with that just because of the cost savings. Oh, interesting. What? So just the the regulations on safety and stuff aren't aren't as high yeah. over here. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the I mean, it's it it sounds crazy to say it, but yeah, like a manufacturer will say, okay, you've got to change this this widget every five years, and the uh, the European system will say, right, okay, well, you know, we've got some field experience. We think you should change it every three, and then. American system will say, "Well, you make the call. You know, it's it's up to the engineer." Oh, In fact, okay. I would say that's that's probably the core difference between the way the Yanks do it and the way you, the rest of the Europe does it. In as much as in Europe, if you make a mistake, it's because you uh, because you weren't following the procedure or you didn't kind of like tick every box. Whereas the the American system, if you make a mistake, the liability is with you. You know, oh, they're, okay. they're a lot more willing to let you make make a call on something that's airworthy rather than uh and i mean this doesn't apply to to larger jets like transport category stuff everything is you know to the letter there's no there's no wiggle room there but when you get into the smaller kind of like general aviation uh, and certainly the smaller biz jets yeah you, you do get a little bit more leeway in in how you operate them right interesting got you um and so how are people getting these these smaller planes then if they're registered in the US? Do the planes physically have to be there or can you just register an aeroplane there? Are there, are there loopholes? Or are people like island hopping all the way, like puddle jumping all the way from North America back to Europe with them? Uh, you hit the nail on the head. It's loopholes. <laughs> right. So your <laughs> so aeroplane doesn't got, have to a, have even you know, been in the US. No. So the way they do it is you uh, you have to have, I think it has to be, registered with a holding company and so there are like shell companies you can you can buy or you can uh do business with for like 300 dollars a month depending on the size of the aircraft uh, sorry 300 dollars a year where they will be the the registered owner of your aircraft you know air quotes um yeah and as long as it it's registered to a u.s company then you know airplanes go all over the world and so you can you can obviously keep them wherever you like. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? Is that uh, the the more the more you mu- the more you earn, the more money you have. Kind of as as things get up there in terms of taxes and regulations and stuff, there's more people going to be looking for loopholes and way to ways to sort of get around it. So, I guess it's good for you that you're certified on the US stuff because that means you can work on it over here, right? Or over yeah, there, yeah, exactly. I say. Well, I mean, you, that, the thing is, though, those airplanes go everywhere. They go all over the world. And so, you know, anywhere you'll find an American airplane, you'll find someone with an American license. Um, but, I mean, there are other countries that are more attractive in terms of, um, you know, t- a lot of the time it's done for tax. There were some loopholes in Europe where if you imported an, uh, an aircraft, any aircraft from outside, you, I think it was Denmark. If you bought the aircraft through Denmark, you had to land, register it there, and then, uh, you know, go on to where you were going you you dodged all of the tax that would have been due on like a new purchase in the same way like you know when you buy something from from uh china and you get stung with import tax like it's the same thing when you buy an airplane and so yeah the isle of man is a big one uh, guernsey like those little island principalities off the coast of the uk a lot of uh, a lot of bigger airplanes will be registered with an with an m so the, the first letter will be an m rather than n like it is in the states mm-hmm. uh, and that's almost always done for for tax reasons you know if you've dropped 60 or 70 million 
20% on top of that is a is a serious chunk of change. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I mean, it is. It's nuts, isn't it? Once, when you're talking about that much, what, what would 70 million get you? What kind of airplane are you looking at for that? Uh, I mean, it might get you like an old secondhand uh, Global Express, which is a, that's like a small airliner. Mm -hmm. I think 60 million will get you like a Falcon 7X. I would show you a picture, but I'm not going to be able to hold it up to the camera yeah, because it won't autofocus. Let me, let me look. So Falcon 7X. Yeah, that's Falcon. a nice that's a nice size aeroplane. Falcon 7. That's the sort of thing that Ooh, gives okay. you a... Yeah, that looks yeah, like so a flybee aeroplane. Yeah, I mean, that's the sort of thing that Taylor Swift is rocking around in. But that'll right. give you a bedroom, maybe a couple of toilets, like a lounge and a kitchen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for you guys watching this on YouTube, uh, that is what we're talking about right there. So you've got the, the jet, you've got a, an engine on either side of the tail, and then mm -hmm. you've got the one that sits on the top as well. Why yeah. Why is there one that sits... Is it just if some is good, more is better? Just three engines? 100%. Or is that top one? It's exactly one that. Something that, that top one, I think I read a promotional uh, uh, like brochure a couple of weeks ago. And apparently the third one is for a ramp presence. Ramp presence? Yeah. It's what? like, you know, you pull up and I want my jet to look cool when I arrive. Wow. That's pretty. There's no reason. There's no reason you couldn't have built that aircraft with two engines and just use slightly more powerful ones. Right. Yeah, exactly. Made each engine 25% bigger. And then there you go. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, that, that's mm. kind of the equivalent of having like a, one of those big superchargers sticking out the bonnet of a, an old exactly American that. muscle car. <laughs> that's fun. Wow. 60 million bucks. That's nuts, isn't it? Yeah. Think that, yeah, you could, I mean, imagine the, the houses that you could buy for 60 million. If you had, okay, hypothetical, mm -hmm. someone gives you 60 million dollars or 60 million pounds, whatever you want to, whatever you want to spend, what do you do with it? You have to buy never, things. You have to I buy things. So I don't have to buy, can I buy houses? Yeah, yeah, that's oh, what I mean. What? I, wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy houses. I wouldn't buy houses. I would probably just rent houses. Like, I like the idea of, I would have my pad. It would probably be big, big enough to land an aeroplane at. Oh, we're having another another fart on so, your internet there, Tom. I don't know if you can hear me. <clears throat> Hello. Tom, can you hear me? Oh. Sorry about this, guys. I apologize for the, uh, <laughs> for, the, for the weirdness that's going on here. Um... Yeah, Tom, like I said, he's in a shed in his garden on oh, Wi-Fi. So, uh, I can hear you, lad. There we go. Yeah. You, can you hear me now? Yeah, we... yeah, yeah. I had you the whole way through. It's obviously my, my transmissions that are... That are... Yeah, I we Crap. got we got you saying you would but yeah sixty million. I got yeah, so I got you up saying you would rent a house. Uh, it would be big enough to have a to land a plane, but then oh no, I think I would buy I would buy one house, but I wouldn't have like many houses. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think I think three. I think is probably the sweet spot. Like a crash pad. Three houses. I my goal I think would be to have an island. Like I want a tropical island with a nice house on the island that would be my sort of main residence and then have maybe like a couple of crash pads elsewhere. Do you think 60 million would get you an island? Depends on depends on where the island is. <laughs> there's very, there's a few a very, little a very small nice island or yeah, a the, very big bad island. <laughs> there's a few little sandbars off the uh, the coast of Skegness. I hear. <laughs> yeah, you might get wet socks. Yeah, you have to sweep away the cans and you know like use condoms <laughs> oh, and stuff every now and again. But 
Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, six, six, would six, no, probably, probably wouldn't. You're probably talking in the hundies, aren't you, for uh, an island? But, but yeah, I, I think I, I would like something somewhere tropical and then maybe a couple of crash pads, maybe like a, a European crash pad and then a West Coast America crash pad. Like this, yeah. I mean, this place that I'm in now is, is, ideal like it's perfect if you just rented this all year round and just came here just to hang out it's by the beach i've got parking Mm. like yeah it's it's not that expensive in the grand scheme of things if you're worth 60 million pounds sure do you know what the one thing that i would or like i see super rich people spend their money on a personal assistance like having someone whose entire job is to do your admin like Mm -hmm. the amount of stress that lifts like that's that's definitely something i would consider you know, did you buy car insurance this month? Is that electricity bill paid? All that sort of crap. Yeah. Like, just farm that out to someone else. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm. I can see. I can see where you're going with this point. If I had sixty million, would I buy a jet? No way. Yeah. No way, man. Like that is that is a way to spend money. Like we've we've had one just come back from a from a pretty big check in the states. Take a. So it's one of those. It's one of those seven uh, X's that you've just showed us. Take a guess on what the bill for that check was. Um, was it just like a service? Just came back for a, ha- having some work done? It was a big done? one. A big it service. Was a big one. It's what they call a C check. So it's like a big, it's the heaviest service you'll probably do, but maybe one. Mm, okay. So let me, I'll, I'll try and be educated about this. So if you've got a $200,000 supercar and you go take it in for a service, you can sometimes come out with a $5,000 service bill right so, so what's that like two so and a half percent of its value half, yeah two and a half so alexa what's two and a half percent of 60 million 2.5 percent of 60 million is 1.5 <laughs> you're in the ballpark no it was about 800k eight hundred thousand dollars just for a service yeah holy moly yeah, just to kick the dice and change the oil. Hey, man, airplane maintenance is easy money. <laughs> wow. Put a couple of air fresheners up, jobs are good. And- wow. <laughs> Back the seats out, like, yeah, job done. You oh got my it, God. yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you put some of those nice auto smart mats down. Yeah, wow. That's. Uh, but, I mean, there you go. You six. I, I'm I'm saying wow because 800 grand is a lot of money, but so is 60 60 million. You know what I mean? It's like it's all relative. It's all relative. Sure. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I think there comes a point where it just doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say that if you are the type of person that can drop 60 mil on an airplane that you use, because I know that there are people that buy airplanes purely for tax purposes. You know, they they buy sure. them and it's just a, a full blown tax write off. And you know that's that's fine like that that's definitely a smart i I would say that's probably a smart way to buy an airplane you know Mm -hmm. make make it work for you rather than you have to work for it to fucking fly around yeah i mean a lot lot of those guys that do end up buying a big uh you know big jets will uh give them to charter companies to run whilst they're not using them oh yeah and so you know if you've only got to run to your i don't know your russian palace once a week it's it's crazy to have that asset sat for you know six days out of seven doing nothing yeah oh absolutely yeah yeah that that I, I know that very well people that that will do that with their airplanes and it yeah it makes sense i mean why why wouldn't you like you pay somebody else is then paying to it's the same as renting out your house you know like le- leasing a, a holiday home like you want to use it for a month out of the year great well for the the remaining 11 months have someone else pay your mortgage for you yeah although the the other end of that or the extreme end of that spectrum is I once saw one of those loaded up with someone shopping 
to take it to their castle. Although I, I assume the aircraft was going to the castle and the guy was there and was going to be eventually picked up by it. But like no, seeing seeing just... a jet like that filled up with, you know, Waitrose bags. Oh, wait, like, That's you, sure. Could... you mean food yeah, yeah, shopping? Yeah. I thought you yeah, meant like shopping. Louis Vuitton bags. No, no, no. Like food for the castle. Like I guess, I mean, I don't know. It was obviously easier to buy the shopping and then send it up and pick the dude up than oh it was to, God. you know, try and get a delivery slot at <laughs> 10 o'clock at night. Ocado turning up at the Schloss. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's nuts. And so how how's all of this COVID craziness affected the industry? Like, uh, are people, because obviously flights, main like regular flights are, are being grounded left, right and center. What about people with business jets? Are they still able to fly around? I mean, in the beginning when everybody... Uh, when everybody was grounded, a lot of this stuff was was parked up just as a precaution. The the big problem with business aviation is it uses the same channels as commercial. So like getting crews to uh, to jets is a big problem. You know, if you've got uh, an airline that's not running, if, you know, if my jet's in Prague and there are no flights to Prague, there's no way I can get my jet from Prague. Right. Um, and quarantine as well has been giving crews a lot of a lot of aggro. I know a couple of pilots who do uh surveillance flights in the mediterranean and their their original mission would have been i think three or four weeks out there you know flying the coast for for boats for immigration control all that sort of thing and they've now got that three-week mission that's bookended by two weeks either side of quarantine right and so you've turned what would have been three weeks doing your work into a seven-week epic four of which are stuck in a hotel room watching netflix yeah well you you know ross obviously you know mm-hmm. Ross Jackson. He um, so a mate of mine, Ross. He's a, a saturation diver. In fact, if you guys have watched my YouTube videos, I went to see Ross when I was back at Christmas this last year, and uh, we went and did the the pit biking and stuff. And he's got the old American truck. Um, but yeah, Ross. He's a sat diver, and he's just come back from a trip, and they had to do that. They had to quarantine for two weeks before they went into the chamber, and uh, they were literally there was someone posted up in the hallway to stop them. You know, to make sure that they didn't try and sneak out and go for a curry um it was yeah he said it was it was hell they're in like some crappy holiday inn or something just real couldn't even open the window like really gross for two weeks but i mean the the other side of that coin is what happens if you have contracted it and you're stuck like in a pressurized chamber in the middle of the ocean absolutely oh yeah yeah no i mean it's definitely the right call but it still sucks that that for him to go and do his work that's what he's he had to do but um no, I mean that's uh, that that's crazy that people are being affected. So th- these pilots are being affected because there's pilot and co-pilot. I presume it's not they're not flying solo yeah. missions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean the heavier stuff. It's very rare for a for a bigger airplane uh, to be single pilot certified. Almost all of them require two crew. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. So I mean, apart from the big scare, everybody kind of like shut down. Nothing was flying. Things are kind of like coming back. I mean, the thing that will slow the industry down right now is people's appetite for travel not necessarily their capability to travel in in the business sector anyway right you know everyone's everyone's doing zoom calls everyone's using skype and actually you know do you really need to to schlep it through a through an airport cuz yeah it's it's just a, a lot of unnecessary risk and i think i don't i don't think it's going to be a big problem long term for business i think because if you're the sort of individual who can afford to drop you know 60 60 bucks on a jet you, you're probably okay to, you know, watch the watch it devalue, have it sat idle, all of these things. I don't think they're the sort of owners that 
that are likely to, you know, have to shut up shop. Right. Whereas the airlines, you know, a lot of those run on absolute razor thin profits. Uh, you know, I've got a little app on my phone called uh, Flight Radar, mm-hmm. and I'm forever getting pinged with, okay, you know, British Airways last flight of this. Like, uh, what's what? What are the couple of the domestic um, carriers in America? Uh, there's Delta. Um, you've got. Uh, uh, I think Spirit. it was Delta. Um, so the, I saw I saw a thing today. Delta are like retiring retiring a load of their fleet, and I think for a lot of that stuff, it just means it'll be scrapped. Some of it will get the seats pulled out, and it'll be reconfigured for cargo. But I mean, if the market's flooded with airplanes that that you know could be used for cargo, their their worth is very little, and so often it's more economic to just tear them up for parts. Really? Wow, that's insane, isn't so, it? So yeah, I, I saw a yeah, video lots. recently of um, uh, like a load of planes just parked up in the middle of the desert, just flown out and left. But they've got crews out there who are having to do like full run-up procedures on these things because you can't just let an airplane sit, can you? It's not like a car where you can jack it up off its suspension and as long as you turn it on once every six months, it'll probably be okay for a year. Like they take they take looking after. Yeah, sure. I mean. You can't leave them for long periods of time. There are always uh, limitations on how long an airplane can sit for without either being powered up uh, or having the engines kind of like fired up and ran. Um, but often, like I've, I saw, it must have been maybe a month ago now, some some of the smaller airlines in the UK, it was actually cheaper to take a crew and have it do four or five laps, you know, to take off, mm-hmm. do a lap of the airfield and then land than it was to transport it to long-term storage and then pay, you know, a third party ultimately to, to have to look after that thing right. for you. Because all, all of these airlines uh, that are either retiring or uh, or shoring up these aircraft for long periods of time, like they've got no operational bases at the airfields where these aircraft are stalled. Yeah. And so your, your, your maintenance bill immediately starts to climb. Whereas at least if you're still using the aircraft, you know, you, you're keeping it internal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it's funny because I saw after I watched that video, uh, I saw an Emirates ad where they'd done this film. You may have seen it where they're talking about the fact that during this time, they're refreshing their entire fleet. It's like amazing marketing because rather than being like, oh, we've got to keep our planes grounded and stuff. They're like, we're redoing seat covers. We're like, there's somebody like, you know, ironing a seat cover. Uh, it's mm-hmm. like, we're, we're doing this, that and the other so that you know that when we get back in the air again, you'll be on basically a brand new airplane. And I was like, fair play. That's a great way to do it. While everyone else is like, oh, we've got to park up our car, our, our planes. They're like, oh, yeah, no, no, we're we're revamping ours. When, you know, fine, well, they're just doing the same thing. And they're just like, yeah, whipping off some seat covers and replacing the ones that have got holes in them. Yeah, sure. I mean, having said that, if you, you know, if you're an airline that's got some money, like downtime is is the enemy of profit. I think the thing that kills airlines is just not having availability. And so if your demand is down, like I know a lot of airlines now are, trying to trying to get maintenance companies to bring their big checks forward but again it's like everybody trying to get through the, the same door at the same time mm-hmm. the, the the maintenance companies are, are busy and that's i'm fortunate uh, in as much as yeah we're, we're getting busier now i had my, my last day of fun today i got called back to work this afternoon oh really the the, the yeah the dream is over like <laughs> i thought maybe this was going to be my summer of love maybe like you know three months off like even now i i think i've been off for six weeks whilst things were were cooling off this is the longest period of time i've had off since i was a kid yeah have you enjoyed it uh i, I don't want to like belittle what the coronas you know covid 19 is but i'm having a whale of a time <laughs> this unemployment <laughs> thing i could i could do this for a job 
Yeah, I mean, I've got to admit, like, at first, I found it a little bit odd because um, for me, nothing's changed in terms of I'm still having to do the same. I'm still putting out two videos a week. I'm putting out, well, three now because I'm doing two on my channel a week. Um, you know, I'm still like selling the merch, like all that. So all of my stuff is carried on. So I, there are days where I sit there and I just go, do you know, I'd like a bloody day off. Like I'd like to be able to just sure. chill out and go to the beach and not have to worry about the next thing that's coming. But yeah, I mean, I can definitely, uh, I can definitely see. Like my mum, she's the same. She's been furloughed, and they're doing bits of work. And now she's like, now that they're ramping up, she's like, I don't like it. I've got, I've got to do like two phone calls today, you know. And and it's yeah. it's funny because she's such a hard worker, and you know, when when things are back to normal, she's she doesn't stop. But yeah, she's she's like getting getting quite into it. So I can I can see that. I understand uh, why you'd be into it. Have you been doing anything? Have you had any like projects while you've been off? Uh, I mean, I've had a lot of big projects, but nothing, nothing really that interesting. It's mostly been like house renovation stuff. The shed that I'm sat in, the exterior of it is now finished. It only <laughs> took me five years. That's not that's not five years to finish the exterior. That was five years to like start from a hole in the ground to where we are today. <laughs> so yeah, I, this this I, past four weeks, I finished it off. I remember right. It was right before I moved to America. I came over to your house one day to help with pouring the concrete slab. The concrete, that it, yeah. That it sits I found on. those pictures the other day. Yeah. So Nick and I were scrolling through our phones, my wife, uh, and it was like, "Hey, look at these pictures of our garden." And seeing the evolution from like when we moved in, because this the house we're in now was owned by like a, an old couple who obviously had a lot of time on their hands because the garden was it was well tended, and seeing it go from how we bought it to how it is now. I am the worst neighbor I would ever want to live next door to because it was a freaking building site. Man. It's like it Steptoe's yard. It was bad, man. Because I mean, like you were here when we poured the concrete. There's a lot of reinforced steel in this in this foundation. And so that was strewn across the garden like it was it was a scrapyard. It, in fact, it would have probably been nicer as a scrapyard because at least it would have been like a dog on a bit of string for some, right. for some color. Right. Instead, it was just like sad, derelict building site yeah it was it was yeah here we are today like the the exterior is all all finished up and uh yeah i mean now now i've got to go back to work i guess it'll slow down but oh yeah i think by the end of the summer i'll have the interior plastered and painted nice well yeah in terms of in terms of like fun hobby projects there's not been a huge amount what's funny about that man cave of yours is that i remember when you told me about the concept before you'd even even put in the, the first peg in the ground to map it out and you were like, so what I'm thinking is I want like an inspection pit so I can work on my car. I want a log burner in there so that with a little chimney, like maybe even like a little mezzanine level, kind of a, a sitting area in there. So it can just be like a man cave, you know, where I can go in there and work on my car. And that that's what I want it for. It's like my space where I can go and just I've always wanted one. I've always wanted one. Five years later. <laughs> and it's a princess playroom <laughs> covered in glitter yeah. and sparkly fairy lights. Yeah, this is my life. Yeah, my, my four-year-old daughter is entirely taken over. So it's it's now just a room for her. The the only thing, like the the thing that keeps me sane, is I keep telling myself this too shall pass. Like it won't be long she'll before be she's eighteen she and she'll be gone. Yeah, she's moved out. Yeah, exactly that, and I'll get it back. Oh man! Or the, or the other thing that keeps getting dangled is, you know, we'll finish it and then we'll move. And I'm like, no, I want to enjoy it. I have to. I have to at least reap the benefit of like all this, all this work throughout the years. I've got to at least, I, I need to, 
I need to have at least a year with it done. Like <laughs> right. that would hurt to at least to not have enjoyed it in its completion. No, absolutely. Well, I, the last time I came over, I think the it, it was completed enough that was it called the red room or the blue room? What did you oh, call yeah, it? Oh yeah, it was the blue room. The yeah, blue you're right. <laughs> so I went went over to Tom's and uh, his his little girl was like, "Daddy, can we go to the blue room?" And I was like, "What the hell is the blue room?" And he's like, oh, "It's it's in the shed." And I'm like wait and it was like something from a horror movie you know like someone someone recounting like a child a poor child recounting a story of when they were like abducted and kept in the blue room and basically the blue room was like the eaves like the pointed roof area of the shed where it was just blue tarp covering it and apparently that's where tom takes his daughter to go and play up amongst the splinters and the nails and the rats up there yeah, you've got it. Well, it's that classic trope. You know, you buy a kid a toy and the most interesting thing is a box. <laughs> like you build, you build your kid a playroom. The most interesting thing is the loft space. <laughs> the blue room. It was so just, Daddy, can we go to the blue room? And I'm like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> Where's the blue room? I, I mean, when I heard the, you know, can we go to the blue room? I'm thinking like, you know, the place that uh, your guests stay before they come on your show. It's kind of like the green <laughs> The room. green, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the green room. Just a little bit colder, a little bit more drafty. Yeah, a little bit more pikey. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about magic beans. Magic beans. Oh, so, no, there's a topic. You one get of, me going on. One of, one of Tom's other passions, other than um, making uh, playrooms for his daughter that take five years and uh, polishing aircraft, is magic beans. And what I mean by that is Bitcoin or Ethereum or Ripple or any number of other cryptocurrencies yeah magic beans as i call them um yeah the this began a long time ago didn't it because i remember when i was still living in warwick i was still living in the Mm -hmm. uk and you were like mate you need to buy some of these and i was like what are they you're like they're called bitcoin and they're going to be worth a fortune and i was like "Mm, okay how much are they and you're like, well, they're t- about 280 pounds. Uh, yeah, 280 pounds per coin. But right now it's fluctuating. Yeah, I think that was about right. 260, 280 around that. So if you can spare it, you should get some. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I don't I don't have a lot, but I, I could probably throw like 800 quid at it. So I think I bought, yeah, like three yeah. three Bitcoins. I think, um, I think we bought both of ours at your house. Uh, I think you had you already got some, but I think we bought more. I think you yeah, showed okay. me how to do it, and we did it on my laptop after we went for a Sunam or something. Um, and it was it was super sketchy. It wasn't like now if you want to go buy Bitcoin, you know, you just plug buy Bitcoin into Google and go to like a a verified legal exchange. Whereas when we bought ours, it was like bank transfer, some dodgy guy who you've never met. Yeah, and hope because there's no comeback, there's no customer service. Hope that he sends you some Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, I, we went on to whatever that website was where there's just like what it's being offered for and you just message the person. You're like, uh, hello, could I please buy some of your Bitcoins? And he's like, yes, sir, please send this to this Nigerian bank account. And you go, okay, here it is. <laughs> yeah, it, it was sketchy. Like I, I remember being a bit, a bit like, uh, okay. And then I, I think I bought them and the, in the following week, they went from like 280 up to about 360 pounds. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. And then... Free money. Yeah. And then the next week, they just took a massive dump. 
and they dropped back down to 300 and I was like, mm, okay, and then back down to 280 and I was like, oh, okay, now I'm stand to lose money. And then I think it ended up getting down to uh, like 220 or 210 and I was like, I can't afford to lose this. I, I Yeah, it wasn't money that I could afford to lose, which was silly in, in hindsight. You know, I shouldn't have bought them if I, if I couldn't have afforded to lose it. Um, but yeah, so I sold, I think, all of mine for about 210 per coin. Mm. So 210 pounds, which at the time was probably somewhere around $360 or something. Um, and at present, Bitcoin are now worth $9,533.42 per coin. Nice. I think we actually cracked 10,000 earlier today, or maybe it was the day before, but... Yeah, the the big ten, the magic ten was uh, was recently. Oh, nice. Well, yeah, because it went yeah, up to so twenty. That... Was it twenty one at the peak or twenty three at the peak? Yeah. yeah, I think it was twenty one k. Do you know how many bitcoins I've got? Zero. <laughs> Zero bitcoins. <laughs> In fact, if I recall, did you not sell yours and buy a motorcycle? Uh, no, you're you're actually mixing that up. So I sold my motorcycle and I bought Ethereum. Oh no! So, oh, so so basically, I was I was burned by my first Bitcoin experience because I ended up losing like 150 mm. quid or something, and so I was really annoyed with Tom, and I was like, "All right, these are just stupid magic beans. Like, I don't want anything to do with them." So I left him to carry on with his Bitcoin empire, and I just left mm. left it well alone. Um, as the 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 year went on, like you started to become more successful with Bitcoin, and you know you invested it wisely, and you did all right, didn't you, for a bit with uh, with your BTCs? Um, sure. And then I remember it was it was before I moved here, and I remember we went out for a, a meal at the pub uh, down the road from you, and you were like, "All right." I got some new magic beans. And I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And these magic beans were called Ethereum. And you were like, the technology behind this is great. Like it processes payments faster than MasterCard or Visa or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, cool, great. Magic beans, like perfect. I can lose some more money. Uh, I'll pass, thanks. And you're like, all right, well, look, they're doing this thing this in this coming week and they're going to be about like 25 cents or something per, per coin. So I'm going to buy like, I don't know, however much you bought, a few hundred quid's worth. Um, and I was like, and I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it, but I was just about getting ready to do the move. I, I just couldn't be bothered. And that was the second time that Tom screwed me with cryptocurrency because he didn't push me hard enough to buy them because right now, Ethereum <laughs> is currently worth $236.56 per coin. Now, it did go up all the way up to like, what was it its highest? 10? 1200 12? quid? Yeah. $1200? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 12, like that. Yeah, 1200 Yeah, 1200 bucks. Um so it did go up a fair a fair whack, um especially from 25 cents. Uh but I did actually get into Ethereum later while I was here and I did make some money, but the story that you were just talking about was when I uh needed so I had a Ducati Hypermotard and I was selling it because I wanted an adventure bike. And so I decided that what I would do is sell the bike. I think I sold it for like 6 6 and a half grand. And the bike I wanted was eight and a half. And the way that I'd been making money on Ethereum, if I put my uh, motorbike money into Ethereum for a week at the current rate that it was going, you know, going up, and that was an average rate. I wasn't just looking at the previous week. I would stand to make the money that I needed to get the adventure bike. So I was like, well, I've been going like this now for probably like four or five months and it'd 
been just making money, making money, making money. And so I did it. I sold the bike. I bought the Ethereum, six and a half grand's worth. And literally 48 hours later, it dropped by more than half. And I was just like, oh, God. I just sold my Ducati for about $3,000. And so I'm still sitting on that loss. My Ducati is still currently only worth about $2,800 at this point. So I'm just waiting for that to go back up. That is a killer. Oh, there we go. It's the space bar that I touched. Sorry, I was muted. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I, but my, my advice is usually about technology. It is not sound financial advice. Like if, I, if you want someone to point out interesting things, uh, you know, new things. And blo- blockchain, I feel, is here to stay, irrespective of whether or not it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or the next thing. Like it's just, it's just cheaper and faster and more robust than, than having a single person look after, you know, things like payments. That I think that's a technology that's here to stay. But it's the, it's the difference between being in the Internet in like the late 1980s, you know, government computer scientists and being a YouTuber now. Like you can be right, but the timing is important. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so where are you at at the moment with with crypto? Like what what's the the latest and greatest? So, yeah, yeah, I kind of like followed followed Bitcoin, uh Ethereum. I I mean Ethereum is still plodding along. Like that's a it's a steady progress, but like all these things if it's hard, it tends to take time and people I'm, I'm impatient. You know, I, all I want to see is money go through the roof and hooray. I can go buy my sandbar in Skegness. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. The, the networks that are coming through at the moment, the ones that I'm keeping an eye on is one called uh, Polkadot and another one called uh, um, uh, Cosmos. Mm-hmm. And their thing is there's a, there's an old saying, I think it's, in a gold rush, it's better to sell shovels or something like that. Okay. And the, the point is with these two networks is that they're they're not necessarily cryptocurrencies in as much as you know you use them to buy t-shirt or or uh, stuff like that. Which you can get from Swords.com uh, if you go there right now. Thank you very much. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, this is brought to you by. This is this is this is also something yeah the, we're now these. Offering. Uh, we are now doing face masks, <laughs> so uh, if you'd like to get yourself a face mask, then uh, Swords.com right now, $15, you can have them. Anyway, They also was... double up as budgie smugglers. They do, they do. Do you think you could get your legs through the elastic? Oh, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't get one of my big toes through the elastic. I think <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have to be a pretty small person to get your legs through that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. So, um, so, so you don't buy T-shirts with Ripple? No. No, I'm not not a not a fan of that. I'm not 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 a fan. Like I think all of these technologies are interesting, but the the thing for me is has always been, or the, the question has always been, what problem does this solve? And so Bitcoin is like, oh, it's decentralized money. Ethereum was the the original solution that uh, or problem that that was solving is how do you how do you run a computer network in a distributed fashion? And so the Ethereum network, whilst it's full of tokens, and th- these days its main function is to transfer second layer tokens it was actually set to to run programs to run smart contracts you know if this happens then execute that but do it in a way that you know if a server goes down it doesn't make any difference but anyway um polkadot and uh, cosmos the 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 selling point of those you know the, the 30 minute elevator pitch is 
okay, there are all of these different cryptocurrencies around. There's Bitcoin, there's Ripple, there's Ethereum, whatever. If I want to, if I want to buy a T-shirt and I've only got Bitcoin and you only accept Ripple, how do I make that happen? And at the moment, the way it works is you've got to go to an exchange, you've got to sell your Bitcoin, you've got to get some Ripple, and then you either put that in a wallet and send it to you know the, the guy who's making the cool T-shirt, or uh, or you know you take you download it to a wallet. And that's a pain in the ass. Like it's a major pain in the ass. You know, it's like having to go to a travel exchange when you go to a foreign country. Whereas, you know, these days you've got smart cards, smart uh, bank accounts where you can just, you know, transfer it on the fly. And so, yeah, Cosmos and um, Polkadot, the idea behind those is that you connect those disparate blockchains. So rather than having to go through a third party, I can send you, uh, I can send you Bitcoin. Okay, it's through a third party through their network, but there's no... There's, there's no middleman required. It's just a case of boop and it's done. And the and, transaction is, and the, and the transfer is made automatically. And is that because the people behind Cosmos have both Bitcoin and Ripple? And so when you send them Bitcoin, they just do the, the equation and figure out how much Ripple that is and then send the other person Ripple? Or is it more technologically advanced than that? Oh, yeah, and, you've, uh, got you've got it. Oh, he's back. I was going to say, this intermission is sponsored by Tom's Internet. But are you back? Oh, I was, I was, I was going to take that moment to pick my nose, but I thought better <laughs> of it. Here, I'll, I'll pull the camera my way. People can't see you. Go, pick your nose. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Root a deep one out. Oh, I've got to be quiet, though. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't don't pull it here. Cool. I've, got, I've got the camera. Do it now. La, 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 yeah, la, yeah, la. Yeah. That, yeah, you got yeah. it? Oh, God, that was there a big go. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that was, that was kind of like up to the eyeball. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But yeah, I didn't, how do, how does it work? Long story short, these net these networks connect other networks. Like that's the that's the the mo. Okay, is it's interoperability. It's how do I send a file from one place to another? You know, it's I think that the way they're selling it is it's meant to be like the internet of blockchains. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's, you know, if I've got a separate blockchain that is a Bitcoin, that is a Ripple, that is an Ethereum, they can't talk to each other, and so these networks are trying to bridge that gap. Right. Got yeah, you. I think it's it's interesting stuff. The reason I like that you know cryptocurrencies and that technology space is uh is that it is kind of like more robust there is more more privacy you know there's not a, a third party who's uh mining your data or um you know there, there's no way of or there, there is a way of being surveilled you know surveillance is is possible but it's it's more easy to be anonymous on those networks right go ahead and and people i think often hear that and they immediately their mind goes to the fact that it's for illegal purposes um, sure i mean that's that's how it got its its start you know the silk road was a was a big thing i'm not entirely sure it would have been or could have been as successful as it was i mean i use i use the term successful loosely it was an illegal place to trade you know drugs ammunition and god knows right, what else. everything you could possibly but, you know want. without an, yeah exactly without an anonymous means of payment i don't think that would have been possible but it's not necessarily the anonymity that i think is cool whilst that that is a feature like you know being able to process a gazillion transactions ultimately none of those networks have yet figured out how to do it but there, there should come a point where it's cheaper and faster than maintaining a credit card network and i think you know going from the the the, the nerdy enthusiast beginnings that that it had 10 years ago to now where you've got you know major retail investment firms throwing mega mega bucks at development i i am firmly of the belief that at some point in the future 
you'll find that Visa run one of these networks to process your transactions. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's going to replace them. I don't think it'll replace them at all because one, one of the troubles with the cryptocurrency is, is if you make a mistake, there are no refunds. Whereas with a credit card provider or, or a bank, at least there is some sort of insulation from a, from a, a mess up. Right. Um, Got but yeah, in terms of like uh, networks that, you know, that are robust and fast, like I think it's a, it's a really interesting um, new technology. And so, in turn, you, sorry, there was there might have been a delay at the end there, just because it, it went a bit wompy in the middle. Um, and so, in terms of like where you think Ethereum, for example, right now is going, I know obviously you and I keep in contact about that because we, we both still have Ethereum. Um, what what do you see happening? Because wasn't there just some like Bitcoin break off or halvening or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the halvening was last week or the week before, and I think that the reason that made the news is. Previously, so let, let's back up the truck. What is the halvening? So if I'm a Bitcoin miner, I earn money for processing these transactions. And uh, the amount I get paid is chopped in half every, oh God, I don't even know, six years, three years, something like that. I'm sure, let, let us know in the comments. Well, I think, is it was it Einstein or Newton that said the fastest way to get a right answer is to give the wrong one on YouTube? <laughs> That's 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 one of their quotes, I'm right? Sure, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that was that was Einstein. Yeah, or Gandhi. Was it Gandhi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. could have been Gandhi. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's who it was. <laughs> yeah, the Dalai Lama. <laughs> but anyway, whenever whenever the halvening is, and so the, the block reward, the, the amount of money that the miners are paid, has been chopped in half. And the reason that happens is to make them more scarce. And in the past, however many times it's happened, three, five, ten times, every time the block reward has halved the price has leapt up. There's been like a, a mega jump. You know, it was the it was the jump from like $80 to $1,000 and then all the bit in the middle where we lost money and then the <laughs> jump from like $1,000 all the way up to $20,000 and then back down again to wherever we are now. And so, yeah, the halvening events have always been these major, uh, major pushes upwards in the price. And so it I think the reason it got a lot of attention this time around is because everyone was like it's gonna happen it's gonna happen this is it like buy now buy now and the truth is it happened and yeah okay it's still hovering around the nine ten thousand mark but i don't think we've we've seen the sort of price action that we'd had in the past no absolutely not well i i got really excited because you told me it was this thing was going to happen i was like hell yeah maybe i can buy my ducati back for that's that's my only goal with cryptocurrency is to be able to recover the cost of my ducati that's that's what I'm holding on to because it's the only money that I invested into it that I couldn't when I say I couldn't afford to lose like every other penny that I put into crypto was put in there with the expectation of losing it and yeah. that was the only money that I put in where I was like I don't want to lose this I want to make money on it which again I know is stupid and now if I ever invest in it again that will never happen but like that's what's so frustrating to me because I, if I hadn't have bought... Oh, and, and the other thing that makes it so frustrating is that when I bought in with that Ducati money, it was when it was at its highest. So it was when it was... a. Th I think I paid about $1,000 per coin. That's a, that's a killer. That, yeah. that hurts, man. And I feel your pain like I have lost a lot of money. A lot of money on crypto. <laughs> <laughs> but you were the but same... You said the same thing, right? You You started off... You didn't invest money that you couldn't afford to lose 
Well, I think that's that's probably good advice for any speculative investment. Like if you're, yeah, the way to think about it is that you're throwing money at a startup. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the what the statistic is, but it's something like one in every ten make it. Right. And so there's a there's a good chance if you you know if you're an angel investor or you're if you're investing in a young young company that you're gonna lose money. It's gonna fold. The trouble is though, all of us see like you know the Google the facebook the ubers although does uber make money i don't know but these, uh, yeah. these big tech companies you know these one in one in a thousand or one in a million and you think man i could i can pick that one i'm i'm smart enough to figure out which is going to be the next big thing and the truth is like it's it's really hard you've either got to be smart or lucky and i'm not sure i've got much of either <laughs> yeah no me neither i just listen to you that you are my the only point of reference i have in the cryptocurrency market i'm just like Tom, uh, what should I buy right now? Yeah, okay, cool. All right, will I lose money? Yeah, Pro- probably, maybe. All right, yeah, perfect. That, that's as much advice you've ever given me. Good, bye. The, the problem <laughs> is I'm an eternal optimist. Like, I'm always like, bye. It's going to go up. Yeah. It's going to be big, man. I can feel it. This is it. It's coming. Oh, shit. Yeah, it didn't happen, man. Didn't happen. Next time. Next time around, we'll definitely get it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that, yeah, let's uh, let's hope so. So what's what's your next uh, kind of fun thing? Have you got a... Have you got a project in mind? Have you got a? Are you buying a oh, car? Have, like it's, what? It's it's meta. It's not a project. It's meta. Personal development. Oh, okay. What are you PDPing? Yeah, I'm gonna learn to fly. Well, I mean, I was before social distancing became a thing. Oh, okay. Got you. I, I thought you meant with like you know wings and so- Sorry, I'm just uh, the reason that I'm I'm looking down right now uh, is because I've just had my results back from my last ferritin test. Um, because you know I've been having my blood drawn, and I just got a, a message mm-hmm. from my doctor, and I was at seventeen hundred, which is horrifically high. It's um, it's kind of, yeah, like very bad health, very bad for your health high, um, mm. considering your levels should be at a hundred. Um, I've just got my result back, and uh, it's now one hundred and seventy-seven. So I'm officially smack bang in the middle of the uh, fifty, sorry, the thirty to four hundred range that i should be in so that means that i don't have to get any more treatment you're cured hooray i think i think so i think i think the yeah i think it's all gone oh that's cool sorry sorry to interrupt there that was just uh that's pretty pretty big deal that's 17 weeks of having my arm jabbed that hopefully i won't have to go and do as much anymore so now that you're now that you're kind of like in the good range how long before you have to go get checked again uh i go every well it's a good question. I don't know because I only just found out them in the good range, so I'll have to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, give me, give me a second yeah. for God's sake. I'll have to, I'll have to speak to my doc. But um, from what I gathered from other people that have it, one of the nurses actually that that treats me, she has it. Um, and uh, in case you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it's a condition called hemochromatosis. So you just absorb too much iron from your food, um, and so it means that your ferritin levels, which are your stored iron levels go too high and so iron you literally become iron man or woman like iron starts to be deposited around your body um that's why these guns are so big but uh other than that it is also probably why um yeah uh well not why but it, it could cause issues with uh with other organs as well um but your question was how long so the <laughs> i was like where, where am i going with yeah, this where, where am I Par- going with apparently this? it's also been deposited in my brain um so uh the lady that has it uh that does my my blood uh when i go down there she has hers done now once every like six months i think and that kind of keeps her in in the levels that she needs to be in um 
so it's it's for the rest of my life like there's no there's no slacking um but mm-hmm. yeah I'll, I'll probably go once every once every three three to six months uh depending on how quick my uptake is so i'll speak to her maybe she'll say look don't go back take a month off and then after a month go get it done like come get your levels checked and then we'll see how much it went up in that month and then we'll use that to kind of gauge how often i need to go back and so now that you're in the in the good zone because mm-hmm. you you made a fairly radical lifestyle change when you found out that you had it right yeah yeah i mean pretty much um so one of the things that it affects first uh, is your liver so your liver gets pretty pretty toasted because it tries to um i don't know if it tries to filter or what, what it tries to do but basically a lot of the iron can end up in the liver first and so like my liver enzymes were uh were raised um as a, and that is a, a common cause or a common reaction to hemochromatosis and so i decided to stop drinking um because i was like look if, if i'm gonna do this then i'm gonna go all in so uh yeah stop drinking um so i haven't had alcohol now since before christmas so well no b- before new year should i say um which actually do you know what i'm quite enjoying which is very odd to say that you enjoy not doing something but like what exactly do you enjoy yeah right exactly it's, it's a weird thing to say isn't it um here's what i enjoy and and i remember when i would hear people say this back when i was drinking and people would say that di- people that didn't drink or people that didn't drink much would say i just can't deal with the hangovers like i love the fact that i don't wake up with a hangover and i think it goes beyond that and as much as it sucks to have a hangover the kind of mental fog that you get by drinking you know like i would have a glass of wine at least once every couple of nights um sometimes you know some weeks it would be every night with dinner you'd have a glass of red wine um beers on the weekend you know i, I wasn't i wasn't drinking i mean you came over for a week like and we mm-hmm. we went and uh went to tower 12 and and kind of enjoyed ourselves and but drinking beer is is a big part or was a big part of like my social life um because that was it when we when we'd hang out we'd go down the beach and drink beers or we'd go like to the bars in the evenings or whatever um and so it just becomes like part of your lifestyle and i think just even if you only have a couple i think you get this sort of mental fog that i only now realize has been lifted now that i'm six months having not been drinking and my body's kind of gone all right this is your new normal and so it's like i wake up every morning at 5 30 and i go to bed at 10 30 11 o'clock every night and i sleep really well and i wake up feeling refreshed um now obviously a lot of this could also be attributed to the fact that you know my ferritin levels were super high and that they they have side effects um you know that has side effects that even though i didn't necessarily feel like i had symptoms there must have been some and so now that they're back to normal that could have been a reason for that you know maybe maybe that's the cause and not the fact that i've just not been drinking Mm. but i just feel like i'm i'm a lot more clear-minded a lot more motivated i I wake up better i sleep better Mm -hmm. just i don't know just just more in tune really that that's the best way to put it i mean don't get me wrong like i i really do miss like uh, the other night we were making burgers here and i actually went and got non-alcoholic beer um and i got it specifically for the fact that i miss that like like cracking a cold beer and drinking Mm. one and actually just doing that with a non-alcoholic beer satisfied the craving that i had and so uh, 
I don't know, mate. It's weird. I, I don't know if I'll do it forever. I don't know if I'll if I'll say, oh, I'm just not going to drink anymore or if I'll just mm-hmm. save drinking for like special occasions. I really don't know. Um, but right. Well, it's fun, funny you say about the kind of the, the cracking of the beer. Like I've had friends who have quit smoking and done it successfully. And one of the things they said is that they missed the ritual of it. Yeah. Like the, you know, getting getting your stuff out, either rolling a fag or, you know, getting your ciggies out and sparking up and going out and chat with your friends. Like a lot of it was about the stuff, you know, the peripheral yep. um, act of it rather than actually smoking the cigarette. Yeah. And so like, if you, if you can find a way to, to supplant, you know, something else in there, either a non-alcoholic beer or even just like a, you know, soda water. Oh mate. Uh, when, back when things were open at the start of the year, when we would go out, I, soda water and lime oh my god i drank so much of it i think i was more hydrated i'm, I'm hydrated for the entire year from what i drank at the start like it, i was just drinking so much soda water and lime but what's funny with the the non-alcoholic beer is that i only ever drink a couple of them and then i'm just like it's not that i get bored of them but i'm just like okay that, that's all that's all i need whereas i feel like with regular beers the first one is the gateway drug. <laughs> the first one sure. is the one that makes you go, "Ooh, I want more of yeah. these." And yeah, well, I mean, I've I've suffered that many times with you. It's like <laughs> we'll just have one. We'll just be a quiet one. Come over, like it'll be all right. And then three days later, you wake up on a beach in the south of France. You're like, <laughs> how, how did I get here? God damn you! <laughs> well, yeah, when you came over here, uh, whenever it was recently, and um you, yeah you, you came over for a week didn't you and i remember you landed mm-hmm. i picked you up from the airport and i was like how are you feeling like that that flight always gets you just feeling a little bit tired because it feels like you've had a, an extra long day and you were like yeah i'm good I, I could do with something to eat though and uh yeah maybe get a beer so we went to tower 12 and i remember we we ordered the the big drinks the fish bowls it was happy mm-hmm. hour i think yeah and so the first one came out and you're like oh my god this is huge and so you like drank the first one which is t- about two beers two and a half beers and i just remember seeing the sort of glaze come over your eyes where it was like yeah. you, you go from like tired a bit jet lagged like ready to go to bed and then you just get this like oh now i'm good <laughs> and, and i think <laughs> it's a it, dangerous look yeah and I, and I think it was like yeah 11 11 30 i'm like do you think we should probably go like just so you can get some good sleep and we'd had like four or five beers at this point and it was definitely time for us to leave but that's the danger isn't it is that it's very mm. easy to fall into that and i miss that like i i love having a beer like out in a bar i i just yeah i love everything about it and so i'm interested to see when everything gets reopened to see like how that's going to affect me and and whether or not i can fill that void if you like or replace that that emotional connection with just drinking soda water or a non-alcoholic beer or something. We'll mm. see. We'll see. I mean, the, the the two two solutions I suggest is one, either you've got to have nerves of steel and be like, no, I'm just going to have a soda water. Like, this is the only way, you know, no, I don't want one. Yes, thanks for, uh, you know, offering to buy me one, but I'm good. And that, take, that takes a lot of willpower. The, what I would do if I were in your position is change the way you socialize. Like if, you know, your your group of people, you always meet them at the bar, go do something else. That that doesn't sound very fun, Tom. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Now you say it out loud. I can, I can understand where you're coming from. What else is there? Yeah, no, no. I get what you mean, though. Like, and I think obviously moving down to, to this new spot, things are different. I, I live such an outdoors life now compared to... Mm 
before and even though I wasn't far from the beach at, at the last place just the fact that I can now walk to the beach and also you know having the dog as well like I so I've lost 12 pounds since I've had him um purely wow. from walking like I've averaged five and a half miles a day walking since I've had him um That's mega. yeah and and that and, and I love it I one of the things that I love the most is going for walks with the dog there's just something so like nice about going out and and just enjoying like Balboa Island is is not far from here where I live um and so yeah I, I take him down there and it's about seven miles from from here walking down a lap around the island and then back again and it takes me if I take my time like two and a half hours ish uh if we stop and have a play on the beach or whatever and it, it's just it's so much fun and it's not the kind of thing that I would do if I didn't have a dog uh, and so, I mean, you remember Bents when I, you know, when I had Benson, I, the same thing happened. I, I had him for that, that extended period of time and it was just so nice to be able to get out with him and walk him over the race course. And, and I think, I mean, I think, I don't know if you remember that, but I think that's when I got down to my absolute skinniest. Do you remember we went to, um, oh, what was it for my birthday? Center parks for my birthday oh, with yeah. Meadows. Do you remember that? And, yeah, 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 and I think I think that was that was my yeah my absolute skinniest. I got down to about it's like eleven stone or something. It was not good. It was too skinny. But that was mostly through walking the dog and just being out all hours sure. of the day. Having said that, I do I do remember <laughs> you sending me a video of you walking the dog around Warwick Racecourse. I think it was New Year's Day. You'd come here uh, and dressed I know, up in, I know which, in science yeah. fiction stuff. Yeah, I know which video uh, you the, the video you recorded was like, this is bad. Never do this again. Yep. You're an idiot. <laughs> Why did you drink all that beer? And that, that proves my point about not drinking. And I don't know if I want to go back to that. But yeah, the, sure. so the, the story you're talking about is when uh, we had been out for a New Year's party. And it was, a, uh, I think I came as um Darth, was i darth vader and my girlfriend at the mm-hmm. time was princess leia and then you and nick were there and it was like in a tent somewhere and so we had we had taken beers with us and stashed them in a bush and we would like keep nipping out the tent and going and drinking i think it, that was the last time i drank stella that was I'd, have, I'd forgotten entirely about the fact that we took illicit beers with us yeah yeah i that... was just like we must have had a jolly time and bores some beer but no what we did was take a mega stash we did yeah i think we me and you got through like uh what's the biggest the biggest is it 36 stellas is that the biggest oh you can do God. and they were the pint cans as right. well and i think <laughs> i think we got through most of those and then you had a bottle of something jack daniels yeah. or probably yeah. yeah and and the next yeah the next morning i remember waking up and i think we drove we drove back in the morning um because uh, we stayed at yours didn't we yeah, yeah, you um, did. And so we drove back in the had breakfast, drove back in the morning, I got home, sat on the couch, then took the dog out for a walk. And I remember, yeah, going down to the the field and I felt the worst I've ever felt from drinking in my life. And so I got my phone out and I was like, Adam, this is you on the first of January. Eat good food, don't drink, like just be sensible. This it's not worth it. It's not, and that was the first January. I think on the third, I went out on a pub crawl with all the lads. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! But, yeah, that one stuck. Yeah, but but no, I mean that's the thing. Now thinking back to that, like, oh, I can I can I can feel the coming up. Like, yeah, I don't I don't know if I want that again. I don't. I'm, I might just be getting old. Like, I I don't know. I mean, but... I think there is an element of that. 
Are you, I think it was you that introduced me to, is it Tim Ferriss? With yeah, the yeah. Four hour, four hour body, four hour, four hour work, four hour body. Yep. Sure. And one of the things I liked about those books is how ready he was to experiment on himself. And yeah. So oh like, God. Yeah. By, by excluding stuff like, you know, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, okay, I'm going to give up booze for a month or, you know, for a couple of months like you have and just see how you feel. Like I, I did the same thing a couple of years ago with caffeine. Like I am yeah, caffeine free. I remember. I remember you saying and like, that. I, I got to the point where I was, I was chasing the, the coffee dragon, <laughs> whatever you would call that. It would be like 6 a.m. Ching. 11 a.m. Ching. 12 a.m. Ching. And then it was like, oh, kind of like a lull in the afternoon. What do I need? I know. Another mm-hmm. coffee. Yep. And so, yeah, like I found the thing is, I never had any trouble sleeping. You know, I would I would go to yeah. bed on time and always wake up. But I didn't wake up like feeling rested. Right. And having read a little bit around it, apparently, like if you if you've got caffeine in your system, it cuts down the amount of REM sleep you get. So you still get oh. a solid eight hours. Yeah. But it's the it's the REM stuff that is uh, that kind of like restores you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I like I, I love the idea of just being like, you know, is it this this week? I'm not going to eat any oranges this mm-hmm. week. I'm not going to eat any bread and just kind of like try to be cognizant of how you feel. Mm. You'd be amazed how many habits that you pick up that actually might be doing you harm that, you know, if you put them down for a little bit of time, you might realize that the fog clears and you're a, you're a different person. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think because I, I stopped drinking diet Coke as well. Um, because again, for, because your liver, it's, it's it, apparently pretty bad for your liver. Uh, I know diet Coke is bad for a lot of things and well, I think all it's good at cleaning toilets. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, for putting Mentos in, um yeah. but uh but yeah so I, I stopped drinking diet cokes but may i drink now and this is the thing that maybe i should try that and do like two or three weeks of no caffeine how long did it take before you started to notice a difference from not drinking caffeine it, I, I had a solid week where i felt like shit like i was i was definitely suffering withdrawals you know i was i was bad tempered and it, it took time to get off it and then like you know day eight i, I, I woke up and i went oh I kind of feel good. Hmm. Like okay. I feel rested. Yeah. You know, it's, it was the difference between having the alarm go off and having to crack an eye and being like, ah, oh, this, no way it's 6am. Like I, I was in bed 10 minutes ago. That's right. not, that's not how this has worked to kind of like waking up as the alarm went off and being like, right, I'm ready to kick some ass. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because so since stopping drinking, I have drank more tea than I've ever drank in my life. I drink yerba mate, which I think is sure. is pretty caffeinated. Um, and I, I kid you not, I probably have. So I wake up in the so like this this tumbler right here. So this is this is my the one that I drank this morning. I've had four of these this morning. And I reckon I and you've seen my teacups. Like I don't have. I mean, look, nothing that I drink from is small. <laughs> they they like, are not not miniature. That's yeah, for sure. like this. This is my water cup. So like you know, here is here is a regular Coke can size, and here is what yeah, I drink. Yeah, that's not from. a perspective trick. Right. Exactly. I don't. Yeah, I don't just have like really tiny hands. Um, but so I probably would say that on average, like a a regular normal human cup of tea, I have between eight and twelve a day. Wow. That's a lot. Right. But I, I don't, but if I miss a day, so like if I go out and I'm, I'm shooting or whatever and I wake up and I don't have a cup of tea in the morning and I don't have a cup of tea the whole day, I don't miss it. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not addicted to it. And, and I don't know if that's just because I'm so caffeinated that I would need to go like three or four days to realize. 
mm. or if or if it just doesn't affect me that way um i mean I, well, people are sensitive to caffeine in in different degrees but and the other thing is that tea is obviously has less caffeine than coffee does so it the thing that do you know i can't i can't even remember why i decided to give it up it might have just been because i felt bad right um but yeah, the thing, ah, there was a single piece of information I read somewhere, I heard somewhere, and it was something like the half-life of caffeine is six or 12 hours. And so if you have a cup of coffee in the morning, 12 hours later, there's still half a cup's worth of caffeine doing the rounds. Holy shit. I know. And I was, I was like, wow. So I'm going to bed. Like I was having a cup of coffee at like five o'clock in the evening yeah, yeah. or five o'clock in the afternoon. And I was fine. You know, I, I got to bed and it was, it was no big deal. Yeah. But yeah, having having learned that, yeah, that coffee would have been would have been swooshing around my system for like another uh, a minimum of twelve hours. That's mm. the half life. So you know, twelve hours later, half that cup of coffee was in there, yeah. and I was like, man, this this feels not good. This this feels not good. Yeah, no, yeah. no, that's that's interesting. So I've just I've just googled it. Is that- so i'm still new to like wearing glasses like when i'm on my computer and every now and again i'll get like a reflection in the back of the glasses and i'm like okay what is that what 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 is that that? yeah and it's nothing it's just a reflection but like i'm like um so apparently yerba mate has 85 milligrams of caffeine per cup so it contains less caffeine than coffee but more than a cup of tea okay so it is it's pretty pretty caffeine rich then yeah um and i have no i mean i I do to be fair if i have two cups i'll do one cup and then i'll use the same tea bag so i i reuse the tea bag at least one refill yeah but even so i still drink a lot and what's funny is like i can drink yerba mate all day and, and not feel caffeinated or anything and not feel jittery there's these uh sparkling water drinks that i've just been uh just got started on uh, that I have every now and again. They taste like Sprite, um, but they've got no sugar. Like they're they're all like natural, and they've got mm-hmm. then they're caffeinated. I have one of those, and I'm like, Bring! it makes me feel yeah. like so <laughs> like pumped and and good. Um, so that's what's weird is is like I'll, I'll have that and feel caffeinated, but I can spend all day just like guzzling tea and nothing. So who knows? Maybe, maybe that can be my next one is I'll, I'll cut caffeine for two weeks and, and see how I feel. But definitely. I the, mean, let's, uh, let, let's hope my health advice is better than my investment advice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, the other thing I did, I went vegan. And the funniest thing about that was everyone's like, oh, yeah, when I went vegan, I lost like 20 pounds and it was amazing and blah, blah, blah. When I went vegan, I put on 12 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's probably to do with coronavirus and just being at the house and like yeah just doing whatever but yeah i think i think at the start of the year i was like 212 pounds or something and then i got up to my heaviest i've been so far has been 228 and then i'm now back down to i was 212 again this morning and falling pretty quick so um so i'm 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 aiming for under 200 that's my goal um so with all all the i mean what what does what does a vegan snack look like? Because all I can think of is peanuts. I'm well, like, no, you know, that's the thing. I don't tiny, snack. A tiny cup of, oh, you don't? Okay. No. Is it like three square meals and nothing else? Well, no, not even, mate. I I would love to get a, a proper nutritionist to look at my diet and and I I would log my food for a week and and see what people make of it because, like, when I look at what I eat versus the weight I gain or the weight I lose, it doesn't really add up. 
Like, I mean, you you've seen what my portions are like, and <laughs> oh look, there's there's the dog back there. What are you doing? Oh, you want, hold on, let me see if I can scoot out of the way. Wait, I've got to go this way. There he is. There he Hello. is. <laughs> what are you doing? We do. <laughs> so I have a, you can just about see it just here. I have mm-hmm. this, this Cat 6 or Cat 7 cable that I'm trying to um, hide away because it, it's the one that goes from my router all the way to the uh, to this computer. Um, and so right here by the side of the bed, there's like a load of cable that's all tangled up. And uh, he he just loves lying on it. Like he just goes around there and lays on all of this cable. And he's got a perfectly comfy bed right here. He now has three beds. I bought him one for every room. Um, but he lays on the Cat 7 cable. So like a weirdo. Nice. Um, but yeah, so my... I definitely put on weight when I I I'm not cautious of my portion control because I will just keep on eating. Like it can be healthy, but I'll keep on eating it. Um but recently I think what's helped with with losing like 12 pounds in 3 weeks has been walking him, so just mm. just flat just walking. Um and then I've I've actually been eating a lot more kind of fruit and stuff. So Rather than at lunchtime, like if I feel hungry, before I'd be like, all right, maybe I'll have like, I don't know, a, a veggie substitute, a garden, whatever, like a burger or um, something like that. Like just the patty. I don't mean like with the bun mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but now I've just been like, oh, no, I'll just have a, an apple and a, and a banana and, and then some, some water or something. Or like Jamba Juice over here uh, does these awesome like green smoothies that I have with uh, some uh, pea, uh, no soy protein. Mm-hmm. and so you know that that kind of stuff is is what i've been leaning towards so i guess really i've only been eating like two meals a day with with sort of a fruity snack in the middle um but i just it sometimes it doesn't sometimes it does i mean sometimes i just go on a rampage and i'm just like yeah whatever i'll eat anything i want but then other times i i just it doesn't make sense why i put on the weight um and then it'll drop off again so i don't i mean you you've known me for long enough like it does it just it, it fluctuates a lot and you know, I, I, there are there are people that comment on YouTube and oh, you look fat and oh, are we ever going to see Adam's cheekbones and all the rest of it? I don't give a fuck. I got a massive willy, so it doesn't matter. But you know, these these people <laughs> that like make these comments and stuff, like it, a it's it's bad. Like people shouldn't be making fun. But for me, it's like I know that I go like this anyway. So two weeks later they'll be like oh you look like you've lost weight and it's like yeah i have but watch me put it all back on with these cheese name pasties i'm gonna make this week yeah yeah yeah. i'll just wind six of these into me at once <laughs> exactly yeah maybe i should get a gastric band maybe that's it maybe it's purely just down to the fact that i need to reduce the size of my fuel tank oh you just you just cheat around it you just eat little and often if you had that done yeah this is true this is true yeah i mean i don't know is it is there kind of like a natural a natural weight or is it always dictated by your lifestyle at the time mine is that kind of like a spot where you found yourself more often than others yeah yeah I, th- I think where i'm at right now if i don't if i wasn't to do anything and i was to just kind of live a a normal life i think i would f- i would end up around 220 pounds i think that is yeah, okay. that's just my kind of like my fight not fighting weight my fighting weight's like 185 to 190 that's where i feel the best Mm-hmm. um but in terms of like where i just end up yeah definitely around that sort of 220 mark which is what's that instead? alexa what's 220 pounds in stone 220 pounds is 15 stone 10 pounds it's almost 16 stone oh, that's a, that's a uh, thing is that you're a lot taller than i am i see like 
you know, 11 stone is kind of where I need to be. So what's that? 140, 150 pounds, something like that. Yeah. And so when, probably. you know, when people who are like six and a half feet tall, who are like, yeah, I weigh 20 stone. And I'm like, you're a massive <laughs> fat git. Yeah. But the truth yeah. is like, you know, as a percentage change, you know, a couple of pounds on you is going to make way less of a difference than it does on me. Or yeah. you might not be able to tell from this sat down shot as I'm actually three and a half feet tall. <laughs> you're not sat down. You actually stood up. Yeah. 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 I'm on a, a copy of the yellow pages. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So I'm, I'm aiming for 200. That that's my goal by summer. I'd like to be down to 200. I'm, I'm feeling good right now. Um, yeah, I think my health as well. I think that that plays a part in it. Um, you know, now that I'm Definitely. starting to feel better and all the rest of it, it makes you want to be more active. So what I'll say to you guys listening and watching is go and get your bloods done. Like just go and get a full blood panel there. If you're in America, you can get them done for about $300. And if you're in the UK, then just go to your doctor and say you want uh, an MOT. Um, but it's so worth it. Like they found mine by accident. I went in for a routine checkup i just went back to the uk went to my doctor was like hey let's do my blood so let's see where my levels are at and it came back and yeah my ferritin was like a thousand times higher than it should have been um so yeah definitely recommend that that you do that because oftentimes like with with mine i had no symptoms and the level that i was at if i'd stayed there for another year or so i run into problems like liver failure heart failure like testicular cancer like it's it was it was that's serious that's yeah. serious stuff yeah, exactly. And I would not have known because I didn't have any symptoms. That was the craziest thing. I felt fine. Um, so yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely worth just making sure that you get yourself, even if you think you feel okay, just mm. every 12 months or so, six to 12 months, just go and, go and get yourself checked out. Um, and I'm hoping now that now that my levels are, are back, getting back to normal and with him, that I'll be I'll be Superman again, which would be nice. I'm, I'm desperate to start training again, though. I want to do jujitsu. Yeah, is this what? What are you? What are you? Triple black belt in at the moment? Uh, fourth degree black belt in Tang Sudo, which is okay. a Korean karate, um, kind of like um, Taekwondo. So it's like Taekwondo or Shotokan, if you guys have ever heard of that. Um, but yeah, so I have four black belts in that. So I'm officially Master Swords, which is cool. Um, and then yeah, Jiu-Jitsu, I feel like if I could have my time again and spend the amount of time doing what I've been doing in karate, which is at this point 20 25 years if i could do 25 years in jiu-jitsu oh my goodness that's yeah that'd be incredible <clears throat> i think if, if yeah. you can only do one martial art i think jiu-jitsu is the one i'll <laughs> i'll take your word for it having <laughs> done zero martial arts yeah it's it's definitely that when i when i first did jiu-jitsu and i, I went to the, my very first class at um fabricio verdum's gym in venice uh, he's a ufc heavyweight they put me with a 14 year old girl and she was probably like just under 100 pounds you know little mm -hmm. little thing i at the time i was probably around 2 210 215 and we got on the mat and we started to roll and you know i'm fourth degree black belt like i may not know grappling and chokes uh i don't i may not know how to do them sort of nicely but hey i can i can scrap right i've mm -hmm. i've done enough other styles to know i've done a bit of judo and stuff so we start rolling and I'm like, yeah, you know, she doesn't weigh anything. That's fine. And so I start like kind of throwing my weight around. I make one move, one move to try and like, I don't know, push a shoulder or grab a wrist or something. And she spun around and she's got me tapped out with an arm bar. Mate, I kid you not. It was, it was instant. Instant. Yeah. Before, you miss it. before I had even like finished my grip on her gi, 
I was already like, done, done. It was insane. And I think we rolled for about five minutes and she tapped me out as many times. She got me with rear naked chokes. She got me with arm bars. She got me with an ankle lock at one point. And this was a 14, 15 year old girl. And after that class, I was like, yes, this is is the one. This is exactly what I want to learn because I I can stand up and I can trade, I can kick, I can you know do all that stuff and and in a stand up fight I'm all right you know like I, I could probably hold my own on the ground clearly I need work because I've just had a 14 year old girl school me um, and the funny thing nice. is is I I wasn't going easy like uh, she tapped me out that first time I was like all right bitch this is it like you're getting it you I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go hard now and I'm gonna tap you out I didn't even get close not even close not even close. I mean, is, is jiu-jitsu one of those things where technique will always trump strength or is always. there like two lines that cross? No, nope, I don't believe there's two lines that cross. Um, I think perhaps with things like, let's say that that same girl was trying to armbar a 350-pound <clears throat> heavyweight with biceps the size of my quads, maybe in that instance, because a, a, an armbar, traditional armbar is done with the the elbow held like on the crotch and then levering back towards the chest right oh yeah okay. so the arm is, is straightened out and mm-hmm. so there you have to have the ability to be able to pull back against all of their strength straightening you out so sure. i guess in that instance maybe but the majority i would say 99.9 percent of the time good technique will trump strength and and, and weight um, I mean, we've seen it in the UFC, you know, that the Gracies absolutely proved that they were able to take down some of the most brutal heavyweights. Um, and yeah, well, all, all weight categories. That was That's the great thing about it is that everyone now that's fighting in the UFC, if they don't have jiu-jitsu, then it is classed as a serious hole in their game because all it takes is one one person take you on the ground and that's it, game over. It doesn't matter how well you can box. Yeah, once, um, once you're down, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like uh, Frank Mir for uh, yeah, I think it, was it Frank Mir and and Brock Lesnar. So Brock Lesnar, the the wrestler, the 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 WWF or WWE, whatever he was, wrestler. I mean, that guy, he had to have special gloves made by the UFC that were, I believe, four XL. They only went up to three XL, and he needed an wow. e- extra X on there because his hands were so He was, he was big. swinging spades around. Yeah, like big old lunchbox hands. And uh, he fought Frank Mir, who was another big dude. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm getting this right. Let me know in the comments if I'm if I'm mixing up fights here. But Frank, uh, but Brock Lesnar was basically beating Frank Mir. He was doing a great job. And it ended up going on the ground. And at one point during a scramble, Brock Lesnar left his leg out and Frank Mir got him with an ankle lock and tapped him out with an ankle lock after having been pretty badly beaten up prior to that. And that's what I mean. That's all it takes is just one one little slip up and, you know, you're out, you're done. So jiu-jitsu is definitely something I want to do. There's actually a jiu-jitsu school just up the road here. Um, So when everything opens, although I think of all the martial arts, to not do during coronavirus times i think jiu-jitsu is probably the top of the list like people sweating into your mouth like it's wow it's, that's fairly up close and personal it's it's very up close and personal yeah you can't do jiu-jitsu if you're scared of someone being in your personal space like it's it, sure. it gets pretty pretty close um but yeah that that's definitely next on the uh, on the agenda for sure so i mean do you have a, a contingency in place do you uh, do you have something you could train before 
the whole lockdown thing kind of like well people find a solution to being next to each other no not really no i mean like I, i've got friends back in hermosa that have karate schools so i could always just go and do some sparring um up there when when things start to calm down a little bit and yeah everybody's feeling a little bit more comfortable about it so that that's i will always go and do that just because i enjoy fighting anyway um yeah sure we just go on a a wednesday night and put on some music and put on some pads and just beat seven bells of crap out of each other it's great fun um (laughs) i just got a flashback to to one time when the instructor uh who who owns the school up there me and him were sparring and he like i can't remember exactly what the setup was but he comes up he spins to do a spinning back kick to hit me with a spinning back kick in the midsection and I at the same time come over the top with a right hand and as he connects with my stomach I connected with the back of his head and I pun- and you, you're not allowed to punch to the back of the head it's it's not something you should do um, and I wasn't intending on it I was trying to punch him in the front of the head but because he spun at the last minute as I was committed I clocked him in the back of the head and knocked him out and he just went on his face and i was like oh my god i've killed him and literally like two two three seconds later he's like what on earth was that like what just happened i was like dude i'm so sorry like it was such a like a foul shot but it was just hilarious like the perfect timing just like right on the back of his noggin the the, the synchronized yeah like you know shooting a bullet out of the air with another bullet (laughs) exactly yeah yeah so we we have a great time and um there are a few guys there that like to roll as well so i like to get beaten up by them because there's one guy who's six foot seven and uh he knows jujitsu now you can get beaten up as a six foot guy. You can get easily beaten up in jiu-jitsu by someone that's five foot. Like you don't mm. need to be long and gangly to to make jiu-jitsu work. However, if you are six foot seven and you know jiu-jitsu, then chances are <laughs> you're gonna be all right. Like it's like trying to have a fight with a wet ball of spaghetti. Like there's just you just can't get. It's just legs and arms everywhere. There's no way out. Like that's it. There's just, no leverage. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Yeah, so so maybe maybe I'll I'll go back up and do some of that in the uh, the near future because yeah I do I haven't I haven't kicked anyone on the head for ages and I, I miss it. <laughs> well, I mean I've I've taken a slightly less aggressive uh, route with my exercise. I've reignited my love hate relationship with my bike. Mm, you have, haven't you? God damn, I hate and love that thing. <laughs> like I like I like being by myself. I like you know the open road and the wind in my scalp. <laughs> But the, the trouble is, I can't help but fiddle with it. And I, I'm always finding things that are wrong. Right. You know, stuff that needs either like changing or cleaning or adjusting. And like, I, what, what I really want, you know, like some of those supercars that you buy that they don't let you have. You just. Oh, have yeah. Like them. the FX, the Ferrari FXX and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to be at Silverstone or, you know, a track at this time. Bring me my car. <laughs> That's. Yeah, that's the sort of push bike I need. Because <laughs> what, what what I want to do is get on it and go for a cycle ride. What happens is I go, oh, the brakes are a bit squeaky last time. I'll just give that a little, just a little tweak, and then like you know, ten minutes later, the bike's in a thousand pieces on the patio. <laughs> I'm, I'm filthy, covered in grease, and I have not gone for a bike ride. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. I definitely get that. And so, because you just went out for a big ride, didn't you, recently? Yeah, so I, I went the out first for the one, first the time. inaugural like, ride. Yeah, my first ride in five years was 60K, so like 30-odd <laughs> miles. Um, God damn, I was sore. Like, yeah, 
There, there were bruises in places I didn't know you could get bruises. <laughs> Did you get your cranks fixed? Because Tom called me up the other day and he was like, I'm working on my bike and I've ordered three sets of cranks now and none of them fit. Yeah, none of them fit. <laughs> I'm, they're still, I'm, I'm all the way back to square one and I've put the original ones back on. Really? So now I'm in the process of like sending them back through eBay, which again is a pain in the ass. Yeah. But, oh man, one day it'll be finished and then I'll get bored of it and sell it. Yeah, you should or get buy, buy a good bike. You should get an electric one. I'd love an electric one. You've got a couple of really nice electric ones. I do. Yeah, I got the two Super Seventy Threes. Although they're they're like beach cruisers. They're not for. I wouldn't want to use them like on the roads in the UK. That um, uh, Onyx that I took to Catalina. <clears throat> have mm-hmm. you seen that video? I have. So that one was unbelievable. Like if you if I was to have a, a bike right now for pootling around commuting that kind of thing electric bike that would be it and the reason being is because you can cruise at 60 miles per hour it is That's... it is a motorcycle tom like it's yeah th- there's it's an no- electric motorcycle yeah that th- you don't need a license for it, it's insane how they managed to kind of get away with it um but yeah so I, i've been pushing them so hard to uh to get me a bike so that i can do some more content with it but with the whole coronavirus thing going on and they're quite a small company it's it's been like getting blood from a stone but i am working on it i am working on it because i would i would love one of those i have so many ideas as well for like modifying it and twi- obviously modifying it and tweaking it and stuff because that would be the perfect little commuter bike because pretty much if it's within a 20 five mile radius and you can you don't have to be there fast so like if you mm-hmm. if you're happy to just sit in eco mode which still does 20 miles per hour but if you're happy to sit in eco mode 25 miles no problem no problem really yeah if you want to go there in with like the idea of building a bike an electric bike yeah what do you like, what are you thinking uh, you know uh oh Oh, he is eBay, it sounds like, like he's singing. Three thoughts, five thousand watts. We back. Uh, we're My back. Internet connection is unstable. There you go. We're back. There we go. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Chinese ones. The they do some really high output ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three thousand watts, five thousand watts, and like you said, those will take a bike to 60, 70 miles an hour. <laughs> Which is nuts. It's nuts. What, what could possibly go wrong? There's oh. nothing between you and the tarmac, but like <laughs> an, an atom thick layer of lycra. <laughs> exactly so i've actually been and we should talk about this off air then if you've already done the research we'll do what we always do and i'll just use you for the uh the research (laughs) side and then just i'll just put money to it and be like cool yeah there you go perfect um i've i've been looking at uh, tuning my super 73 so it has a like a 750 watt hub motor or something and it's just not fast enough like straight up isn't fast enough it's it's great it's fine for cruising around the beach but it doesn't have any torque to get up hills so even if i couldn't get any more top speed then i would just want torque so that i can at least ride it up a you know a decent hill um so i was thinking about running like a mid drive because there's a hoofing great big hole in the middle of that frame where yeah. you could put whatever you want and so i'll we'll, we'll talk about it off air and um and i'll see what you recommend because what would be awesome is if i could somehow keep both and have like the mid drive motor sort of uh boost the standard motor uh so that because i mean there's a, a spot under the seat for a battery which is already occupied by the one for the the hub motor but yeah let's uh let's talk about that because that would be a fun little project to do 
Well, I mean, you know my opinion, mate. If a little is good, more is always better. Yeah, that's my favorite phrase. That is my favorite <laughs> phrase. And I think I learned it from you as well. Oh, God, yeah. From the guy who's wrecked how many cars now? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And I'm following you on that suit, aren't I? I'm one down. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah, down, yeah, three yeah. to go, two to go. Um, but yeah, talking of some is good, more is better, I think some is... I was trying to segue into how to end this because we've been going now for two hours and I need to go get some lunch and I need to go and pack up some orders of Swords merch, which you can get if you go to swords.com. Available now. Available now. From all all good retailers. Yeah. Um, So yeah, dude, this has been fun. I've enjoyed... It was a good crack, wasn't it? Catching up with you. Yeah. Um, So I hope everybody else has enjoyed this. Thank you, mate, for uh, coming on and telling us about hairy planes and magic beans. Yeah, no sweat. We'll do it again sometime soon, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We shall, uh, we'll, we'll come up with even more things to talk about. So when me and Tom get on it, like as you've probably seen from this podcast, there is no rhyme or reason or direction that we go in. And uh, we normally end up in, in some pretty interesting places of conversation. So if you guys enjoyed this, let me know in the comments. And uh, me and Tom can chat shit anytime you like, because this is what we do. <laughs> nice yeah no i enjoyed it mate it was good i like to get into the weeds every now and again yeah no absolutely mate well um look i'm hopefully going to be able to come back over at some point that'd be nice if i could actually come back to england um i'm thinking maybe around my birthday september time if flights have started to open up then uh i'll come back so yeah we'll have to do something for my birthday and have a catch-up or you'll just have to come back just let let me just pick that 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 drop off the yeah yeah yeah, i could i mean that's not impossible america you might not have seen the news recently but it doesn't seem like a, a particularly yeah. great place right now. <laughs> yeah, not not yeah. really the the holiday destination that it it once was not, at the not moment. Not so much. No. Um, Booking the flights would probably be no swear. I could pull a few strings, but getting travel insurance is going to be expensive. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm very jealous of your little setup there. Your little twinkly ah! lights in the background. Watch this. Can I? Can I? Can I do the sign off? Yeah, sure. Right, you it, you want to do, do you know what you got to say though? No, no, what do you say? So you got to say, uh, so thanks for watching, guys. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please support the channel. Go to swords.com. Pick yourself up, up some swords merch. Uh, subscribe. Give this video a thumbs up. That really helps. And until next time, don't do anything I wouldn't do. What he said. <laughs> do you like that? <laughs> Bye, guys. See you all Bye. next time.